And then there's a quiet Asian-sounding guy, and his name is Asian. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't really sound Asian. He's like really? Harold and Kumar Asian. Oh. Nice! <laughs> Very much is Harold and Kumar Asian, yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's gotta be your opening bit. For sure. Bazinga! Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to you by ManorDeprived.com and 60cards.com. Check us out. In 2010, a crack magic-playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. I don't know about you guys, or I'm just mind-tricking myself constantly. (laughs) Jay Bush. They're of a different culture, KYT. They prefer their magic untainted by the internet. Smitty. There was plenty of guys in my high school who played Magic at the time and were getting laid at the same time, but they sure as hell weren't in a chess club. Scotty. Then you just pull the fucking Mind Slaver and you just dome them with their own dude. That's entertainment. And now, the A-Team. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 51 of the A-Team podcast. This is KYT with Scott and Jay. And uh, What's up? tonight we don't. <laughs> What's up, guys? Okay, tonight we don't have uh, Jesse with us, but uh, Scott was gonna say before the show we're gonna flood his shoes with a replacement this tonight, right, Scott? <laughs> That's right. Jesse uh, has gone on a hiatus from us for uh, for some time. He he's gone through fifty episodes and uh, has to take some time and focus on. You know some of his real life stuff, so he will be sorely missed. Um, but in the meantime, to uh, like KYT said, to flood his his tiny ginger shoes, we have the uh, irrever the irreverent, the famous Mister Conley Motherfucking Woods. <laughs> I, I don't actually know if I can even fit in his shoes. I, uh, I wear size eighteen. I don't know if that's in Canada, probably like a thirty-seven Whoa. or something. But I don't know if I can you just, even fit in those shoes. You just wear small trucks as shoes. <laughs> Growing up, most of my nicknames involved my feet. I was called, like, Boats for a while, Shoes. Boats? Yeah, Boats. People call me Boats? boats. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking awesome. Do you do you hate that nickname, or can I call you Boats? It only happened for, like, a year. My English teacher was the one that gave it to me because he said that my shoes look like Boats. So. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> boats. That's fucking radical. Yeah, all my, I, I mean, to be fair, like, uh, as far as <laughs> nicknames go, I guess Boats and Shoes are not the, not the worst you can end up with. Nice. Well, um, we just wanted to uh, say thank you very much, of course, for being on the cast. Uh, it's it's a long time coming. You seem to be one of the uh, the few that uh, have not fallen prey to, you know, our uh, wily charms. So uh, thank you for adding yourself to the fallen list. It was all planned to avoid you guys for as long as possible. That way, you know, the build up would happen. <laughs> <laughs> certainly has. So I guess. Uh, if you don't mind, we just kind of want to ask a few questions to kind of, you know, introduce everybody to, you know, the real Conley Woods and uh, not just, you know, the man, the myth, the legend. But, uh, I mean, you, know, you don't want to know the real Conley Woods. He just sits at home to eat Cheetos and masturbates. So you don't want to know. That's not, that's not the person you want to know. That sounds like the real KYT. 
<laughs> well, if that's the case, then uh, you're right. We could probably move on. But we do have we do actually do have some questions about uh, you know th- that some of our listeners have asked. So um, I guess if if you wouldn't mind telling us like how you got started into magic in the first place. Uh, sadly, it was a transition over from Yu Gi Oh. Uh, I oh basically, my god! Wow, I, I can't even imagine <laughs> you playing Yu-Gi-Oh. What was your I, I, What was your mind level in that game? Or is well, that some I, psychic fair, mind level? To be fair, I was like I don't know. I think I was a freshman <laughs> in high school, and then uh, my dad got a promotion, so I moved out to Colorado. And at the time, all I was doing was playing like uh, kitchen top Yu-Gi-Oh, and never like anything competitive. I was you know, still, still building weird decks or whatever at the time, but. We came out to Colorado, and then uh, I sh- showed up to a card shop to play my first ever tournament with uh, my best friend at the time, and we like destroyed the tournament. It was you know Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever, and then the the guy working the counter was like, "Hey, you should stop playing that little kitty game," and uh, <laughs> you know he he helped me build a goblin deck. That was my first ever deck. I remember specifically trading him a uh, Bloodstained Mire for a Goblin King, and thinking I was getting the greatest deal ever. <laughs> not not. <laughs> Yeah. How did you fit those small, tiny Japanese cards into your monstrously huge hands? I mean, I w- they were smaller hands then, to be fair. That was, what, eight years ago or something. So it was, uh, I don't know. It was uh, it was an experience. But, uh, yeah, I only played Yu-Gi-Oh! for, like, a year, year and a half. I mean, huh. that, that transition from Pokemon before that or whatever, like, you know, it, it was the same age period when, like, that was the big thing, like, middle school, late elementary school, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of like a transition from one card game to the other. Um, but outside of those three card games, those are the only things I've ever really gotten into as far as like the, the nerd side of me or whatever. (laughs) The next time that I, that I am in your presence, can I fucking play Pokemon with you? Uh, I don't even know how to play anymore, but you, you definitely can. All I remember is I had, I played for the first four sets and then once the fourth set came out, I basically, or I guess it was the fifth set. Uh, they started releasing like. All kinds of weird... The gay shit? Well, it, it upset me, because it was like, you know, for the longest time, it was like, there's 150 Pokemon, and you have to collect all these mother effers, and, like, this is the whole point of the game, collect all 150, and then once they realized everyone had collected the 150, there's like, by the way, here's, like, you know, an additional 100. Oh, yeah, and these ones had babies, and there's some additional ones of those. Oh, yeah, and we found a whole other planet, and it crashed into Earth, and there's more. Like, they just kept coming out with more and more, and I just couldn't Yeah, see. Yeah, I was the same way, actually, but I still have all my old Pokemon cards. Yeah, I mean, I I gave uh, I worked in a card store for like three years and gave uh gave away all my Pokemon cards to some uh, lady that came in looking to buy some because we didn't sell any. So I happened to have mine on me and I just gave it to her. Whoa! So uh, so you have this reputation of being uh, you know the the large gentle giant, you know, as it pertains to uh, you know the other pros. You're you're a really nice guy. I mean, you know, when I when I met you in uh, at Grand Prix DC actually initially, um, there was that. Uh, that woman who I guess she was dressed like a well, let's just say she was paid to be there. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, you were you're totally down to earth, and uh, you know, it just seems to be like the nicest guy around, you know, except everyone like Brad Nelson. So um, I just I'm really glad that uh, you know that that you you you've taken such a prominent role in the community and kind of stepped up to be like, look, you know what? I, I came out of nowhere and yes, even the most absurd brews can, you know, can be successful. So I, I think it's really awesome. And obviously, I mean, the first time we saw, you know, a deck tech, I mean, truthfully, I think the first deck of yours that stands out in my mind is probably the, the Jund mannequin deck. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I looked at that and went, wow, that's, it, it just like, you know, 
<laughs> brains on the wall. Um, but it was, it's, it's just awesome. So, I mean, how do you handle, you know, that sort of reputation? Like, do you feel like you are like as a rogue brewer, like, do you feel like you're, you're, uh, needing to do that, needing to like set the bar and, and like people expect you to come with these random brews or, you know, are you comfortable with like, Oh, well, this is the best deck right now. So I'll play it. Um, it's actually kind of a weird, uh, tension that builds up there. Like, uh, other people definitely expect me to show up with these rogue things, especially since I've done it for so long. Um, but meanwhile, personally, I've been trying to not transition, but uh, at least give myself the option of being able to play these more mainstream decks uh, just to more consistently succeed. Um, because one of the problems with, with doing rogue is that uh, it's really hit or miss. Uh, you know, if you do well, you're top eating events, and if you're doing poorly, you're 0-3 dropping or whatever. Because it basically, the way I build decks, at least, it comes down to reading a metagame. And if you read the metagame in the wrong way, you end up, you know, not making day two or whatever. And if you read it correctly, then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're flying high. But the variance there is <clears throat> much larger than if you showed up with, a, let's say, Callblade every week or whatever. Because Callblade, you're talking about, sure, there's a couple of bad matchups, there's a lot of good matchups, and then your play skill comes down to it. So, uh, you know, you might draw poorly for a game or two, but it's unlikely that your deck's just going to completely poop out on you and, you know, you go 0-3 or whatever because you're playing the best deck. Um, so you're not necessarily uh, more likely to succeed with Callblade, but you're less likely to fail, uh, which I think is an important distinction. So uh, recently, uh, the team, specifically like LSV, um, they've been trying to get me to slowly work in uh, playing, quote-unquote, the best deck or versions <laughs> of the best deck into my repertoire a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I've been accepting the challenge. I got played uh, uh, my own version of Callblade in uh, Pittsburgh, and the rest of the team kind of ran it, too, with Mirror Crusaders and whatnot. And it was still, like, you know, metagamed, and it was my take on the deck, but it was still, you know, a good deck with the preordains and mana leaks and whatnot, like, cards that were, like, you know, old-fashioned standbys. But in the same vein, I played, you know, Destructive Force at Nationals, which nobody else ran. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, there is an expectation for me to show up with these rogue decks. Like, even when I do, like, a, you know, a video or whatever, and it's not uh, something that people want to see, they're like, hey, this isn't rogue enough. And it's like, well, you know, I'm not, <laughs> like, like, you know, this is like free content I'm putting out here for you guys. You know, I'm sorry that some of you don't like it, but, you know, I'm trying to expand my horizons a little bit. Um, but it's definitely one of those things that I think I want to be doing rogue whenever I know it's advantageous for me um, and then not doing it when uh, when when it's not advantageous for me. Whereas previously I was just, you know, it was a it was an all or nothing button. It was like, you know, I got to be as crazy and wild as possible, even though sometimes I knew going into a tournament that that was not giving me the best chance to win. Um, so now I really want to be able to pick my spots and be smart enough to understand that, like, you know, winning is actually what matters the most. Like, there are plenty of people in the Magic that, um, have played, you know, stock lists their entire life and have won, and you know their names because they've won. And you know, I don't want to just be them, but I want to be able to incorporate that into my into my game when I need to, because you know, sometimes you 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 go down to the wire. For instance, San Juan last year uh, was a really good example. We worked, at, we were in a beach house, we were there for I don't know two weeks or whatever testing, and I just never got uh never got a deck I liked, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know midnight the day before the pro tour and i don't have a deck and i came up with some crappy brew with chandra blaze it was easily the worst deck i've ever built and i had to play it because i just didn't have uh i didn't have the ability or the testing with any of the real decks to show up and play those and i also couldn't convince myself to do so i really wanted to just you know be the crazy guy and just show up with some deck on my own and i you know very easily won forward and was out of the tournament and you know that type of feeling is is much worse than succeeding with a deck that happens to be stock or like the best deck um, so I'd much rather be on the, the side of winning 
uh, regardless of what it's with, than losing and, you know, being proud of the fact that I played some rogue deck. Um, preferably, of course, uh, you know, I'm winning with a rogue deck, but that, like I said, it's not always possible. So I really want to be able to, you know, be that 70-30 or 60-40 or whatever it is, like play rogue when I, as much as I can, but when when I, it's not there for me, just understand that, hey, you want to win before anything else and play a real deck. Yeah. Do you, do you ever troll people, like, when... when... Like, you show up and they're like, oh, man, it's Conley. What kind of magical Christmas brew is he playing now? And you're like, and then they're like, what are you playing? And you're like, oh, it's a saucy brew. And then just totally, like, whip out Red Deck wins and crush them. Like, Yeah, well, I mean, I often take Jackson. And then uh, besides that, uh, for instance, at Columbus last year, um, we actually had this thing where I took, a, I took a deck list and I just filled out as many random things. Like, there was, like, two Academy Rectors and, like, a whole bunch of enchantments nobody had heard of, including a Divine Intervention, if you guys know what that is. It's like an eight-mana nope. eight enchantment, and then uh, when it comes into play with two Divinity Counters on it, yeah. the game you have to keep your remove a Divinity Counter, and when it has no Divinity Counters, uh, it's a draw. The game's a draw. Um, nice. So, obviously, obviously not a real card, but yeah, I had, like, it's, that. It's from Legends. It's an yeah, enchantment it's like, for those of you playing along at home. Some terrible card, but I had, Some like, awesome EDH deck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I had this, like, you know, terrible list with just like, you know, it had Mask of the Mimic and like all kinds of just really strange cards, that like one ofs and two ofs, most of which people didn't know. And I was just showing it to people and then we left it. Uh, I put my name on it and put like Top Secret Brew or something and left it on a table. And we just watched <laughs> from afar with like cameras and we're taking pictures of people walking up and looking at it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fun to do that every once in a while, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it all depends on how much free time I have. Like that, that tournament, I had my deck locked in, so we were able to kind of like joke around with people. But a lot of times, you know, last minute you're still changing cards and you know, fixing your sideboard up, and you know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, like this isn't work in the traditional sense, but it is how I make my livelihood right now. So I do have to take it seriously uh, at times like that. So unfortunately, I don't get to do that all the time. But you know, when I do, it's a, it's a good laugh. So I guess you know some of the questions that uh, you know are coming around from that in particular. Are you still, you know, kind of offering? People are are asking you for deck lists. Are you still on the? Well, you know what? For fifty bucks, you know, I'll hand you the list, but you have to play all seventy five. Like, um, do you do you still do that, or I don't get to do that anymore because because of the team. Uh, okay. Because I, because I'm on Fireball, there's just too many people. Uh, I, to be fair, I never really did that for money. Like uh, when people would ask me for a list, I would give it to them if they were friends. Um, I think I made you know maybe a hundred dollars ever for giving out a list and you know i made like a fake bet one once with uh tim landell and he of course top 32 the tournament with my list so um but yeah i never uh never really like you know sold my lists okay. um but now that i'm on a team like you know there's 10 people that rely not necessarily all on me um uh, but i am one of the i am like the biggest idea man or whatever so i i'm definitely um devoted towards you know helping the team succeed like this past weekend like you know, the team ran a zoo deck that, you know, I, I did not run, but there were cards in it like Bant Charm or even Mind Sensor that I was a, a big proponent of and was yeah. like, hey, you should run these. And, uh, you know, it took Kibler a while. Um, he might not even have been, like, aware of the fact that I was the reason that those cards got into his deck eventually. But, like, I always started off with Avon Mind Sensor, like, in the main deck of, like, Fairies decks and whatnot. And it didn't work out, but all of a sudden it transitioned to the sideboard of their deck. And, you know, that's something I'm really proud of is, you know, getting my team, uh, you know, helping them out in any way possible. In uh, Chiba, no, not Chiba, Nagoya, uh, like the mutagenic growth that were on the sideboard of uh, LSV's de deck as well as the rest of the team's deck. Like, that was all me. It came from me working on, like, a white-green uh, hero blade hole deck, and I wanted a way to prevent from prevent Dismember from hurting my, uh, killing my hero because they're so important to the deck. And, like, mm. those little things are, like, small triumphs that um, are behind the scenes and, you know, uh, 
fans of the game, fans of the pro scene will never really recognize that as something that you like you put time and effort in, into and it came out like that. They just see like, you know, they ran tempered steel and that's that. But I mean, there is still a lot of work and a lot of uh, tweaking that goes on. And, you know, I take pride in the fact that I'm able to help my team out with those little small card choices and whatnot. It's funny you should mention those two cards in particular, Bant Charm and Haven Mind Sensor, because, uh, you know, you obviously were the, the first person to bring, you know, Chase the Mind Sculptor to Extended. And of course, those two cards were very prevalent in your deck and a key <laughs> to your strategy. So I think that's that's really funny. Yeah. Um, but so talk to me a little bit about, you know, the inner workings of the Fireball team. Like I know LSV, you know, was talking about it a little bit. Um you know, on the Mothership article uh, about the weekend. And I know you guys have started to, like, really kind of lock down a bit of attendance or, or, you know, lock down a bit of the information, you know, as it pertains to the attendees. And, you know, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, that experience. Like, very clearly you're the idea, man. You know, there's obviously some capable tuners, some capable grinders. Like, you know, how how has that changed the way that you view the game working in that team atmosphere? Um, it really just makes me like look at myself and one of the problems with being uh, a rogue builder is that your ideas are so different from everyone else's that um, it's often difficult to take criticism because you basically just blow it off as people don't understand what you're trying to do. And um, in this particular team, I've worked with them now for a little while, so they're starting to get more accustomed to what I'm doing. Sometimes they still dismiss my ideas without, uh, you know, taking them seriously, which is understandable. But uh, I think they're starting to warm up to me to the point where they can give me valid, constructive feedback and, you know, uh, help me to realize when I'm being dumb or not to waste their time or whatever. Um, Whereas when you're not in that team atmosphere, you don't have people you trust working around you. um, You kind of go off and do your own thing. And you might realize before the tournament that that idea was bad, but all of a sudden you've wasted, you know, a day or two days like on this idea. Um, so really they, they've helped me to like kind of narrow in and, uh, and weed out the bad ideas faster than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I think at times they're maybe a little, a uh, little too aggressive in that route, but um, it, it really is just kind of open up my eyes and like, uh, you know, sometimes you, you'll have a great idea and it'll be some idea that doesn't make, no, that's not on anybody's radar. And then all of a sudden you want to take it one step further and add some other card that like is also not on anybody's radar. And everyone's like, wait, like idea one is awesome, but why can't we just add idea one to like this popular strategy instead yeah. of like adding idea one to idea two. And all of a sudden you have this like train wreck. Like, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's been good working with them. Uh, I get to, you know, they're all amazing players. Uh, one of the weaknesses of my game is that, um, technically, I'm not necessarily as skilled a player as they are. Um, I mean, I'm still very good compared to an average Magic player, but um, I've always kind of leaned on my creativity and my ingenuity to uh, to to press me forward. Like, I, I view Magic players kind of like a view, uh, like a teams on like Madden or whatever. Like, when you click a team on Madden, Madden, it has an overall rating, but it also has like this breakdown of like offense, defense, running, passing. Like, yeah. You have all these things. And um, I think every Magic player is kind of like that. Like, sure, John Finkel is a better Magic player in a vacuum than I am, but I still think that there are parts of my game that I that I do better than Finkel or whatever. There are parts of my game that I do better than LSV. Yeah. Um, and technical play is not one of those areas. I think that I make more mistakes in general than they do. So I have learned to become a better technical player at working on a team, which I think is uh, is something that, you know, every Magic player that wants to play competitively needs to be technically skilled. So mm-hmm. uh, that's something I've definitely appreciated. And hopefully I'm rubbing off on them and giving them a little bit uh, of that outside-the-box thinking, um, not necessarily in such an extreme manner as me, but just enough to, like, you know, get them thinking in, in a way that gives them an edge against a field that they otherwise might not have had. Nice. So two quick questions. So number one, 
so as part of your magic game, um, you know, that you're better than Finkel, do you date better than he does? <laughs> uh, probably not. Finkel probably dates a lot better than me. He makes a lot more money than me, so I would guess yeah. that alone gets him the ladies. Okay. The next question that I've got is, uh, is a, is are you? You're obviously one of the primary idea men in the equation of your of your your CFB team. Sure. Who are the other like? Who are the other people, and what roles do they fill? Like, you know, there's obviously grinders. There's, um, you know, the organizers. There's the the idea men, and then there's the tuners. So, like, who kind of fills each one of those roles? Um, I think it, it kind of depends. There's everyone has their specialty areas. Like Matt Nass is like our combo guy or whatever. Um, he's not like you're not going to turn to Matt Nass for help when it comes to, like aggro control. When it comes to combo, uh, he'll usually be uh, a, a very big. Um, I don't know, he endorses it to such a point where, like, he'll do anything to play combo. Uh, yes, Elves. <laughs> elves is one of his big things. But, um, but like, if you have a combo deck and you're working on it and Matt Nash doesn't know about it, like, he wants to know about it, so that's nice. Um, you know, and then, like, Raptor, for instance, he's one of the better deck builders in the group, I think. Um, he usually, you know, is able to come up with sideboarding plans and things like that. Um, of course, like, Paulo and LSV, we don't really turn to them for deck building but they're great at like coming up with card choices or like telling us you know when we need to do other things um but it it really depends on like the format and the type of deck we're working on and the stage of the deck we're working on like um uh i'm great at getting ideas off the ground but when it comes to you know we're working on this deck and we're uh 95 percent of the way there we need that extra one or two percent i can basically throw a bunch of cards at them and you know, see what happens, but I'm not necessarily the best guy to be like, all right, which of these three of these 30 cards do we want to be playing? Um, people like Raptor are much better at that. Of course, like Webb, for example, he's not too much uh, too too much involved with the actual construction of decks. He's more of a, a player, but he'll have an idea every once in a while. Kibler uh, is kind of a big proponent of whatever deck he's currently working on, so if you end up playing whatever Kibler's playing, he'll usually have some ideas. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not as uh, cut and dry as like, here's the team, here are our positions, because everybody kind of, you know, is able to fill different roles at different times. Um, so it's a little, it's a little, you know, messier than it, than it would seem on the surface. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone, everyone has the capability of doing just about anything. Uh, it just yeah, it happens in varying scales. Really. Nice. Okay. So, um, so that's great. Thank you for that window into, uh, you know, the CFB. I mean, every time that uh, the tweets start coming out of the beach house, you know, we all start to, uh, you know, chew our nails and just wait. Like we get really angry. Uh, Kibler in his article, for example, when he started to post pictures of, you know, here's where we are, yeah. you know, we all kind of sit there and go, well, why couldn't you show the fucking card table for Christ's <laughs> sakes? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's one of those things that at some point in time, uh, if we ever get motivated enough, we definitely should, uh, you know, get like some camera set up or whatever and just record like what happens for weeks. I think that'd be an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, but we're still like right now, we're still kind of feeling each other out and learning each other's habits, learning uh, the parameters that each person has. And uh, I mean, we've really only been doing this since Worlds at the earliest, if you want to count as that. But I think really Paris was like the first time we, we, we've had like our current group um, yeah. together. So, I mean, there are only three pro tours in. So we're really like, you know, uh, getting this testing thing down ourselves. And so everyone always has these questions. It's like, well, we're still kind of learning, uh, yeah. learning just as you are. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess um, you talk about that. We we actually uh, we were mentioning it when you guys were at the beach house. We were casting, and we thought, God, how fucking amazing would it be if we could just like set up an open Skype call with somebody there, and you guys just kind of like come in and drop in and just kind of say, hey, you know, as you guys are, are testing or whatever. Yeah, you so uh, ski lodge this past week. 
Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, it, we were like, well, just God, if, if only we knew somebody that was in there that would take a Skype call. <laughs> and you guys could just, like, do, like, a rotating thing of, like, hey, how's it going? What's going on? What are you seeing? Because, like, none of us play it remotely close to your level, you know? So, like, it would be really sweet. And, like, we keep all of our shit on lock for, like, about four or five days. You know, we don't release anything till Monday, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. it would be pretty wild if uh, if we could arrange that sometime. But uh, so, uh, obviously, you guys spent a lot of time uh, working on the new modern format so you know uh your uh your pyromancer's ascension deck or pyromancer storm deck uh swath deck actually was uh, yeah. was really cool it was nice to watch uh, that deck tech it was pretty sick um you know obviously counter cat that came out of that which is a terrible name for a deck by the way and bdm <laughs> i think needs to be dragged into the street for that one but uh, that, uh, that was kibler's fault blame kibler all kid blame kibler nice is that what, what he was talking about when somebody was trashing him on twitter he's like i can name my decks whatever i want Yes. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> but uh but you know, real really good uh you know, obviously you guys you guys did a really good showing and, and you know, both the zoo deck as well as uh you know the, the swath decks were, were pretty strong. Um how do you feel about the format moving forward? Like, I kind of posted on Twitter earlier. I feel like, you know, modern's a really great format for, you know, people that, you know, want to just sit there and masturbate and, you know, it's all about who goes off first. Um Yes, to a certain extent. Like, I'm actually writing my article uh, for TCG Player about this, so by the time this cast goes up, I'm sure uh, that article will have gone up, so go check it out, tcgplayer.com. Um, little little advertisement there. Um, but, uh, no, I, I actually – you're right to a certain degree, but I don't think you're going to be right uh, going into Worlds because Modern is a format of Worlds. I've already announced that. Okay. Uh, one, of, one of the problems with the format is that they nerfed Control so much um, that – that basically um, the aggressive decks have to fight combo, and then combo and the aggressive decks have to fight cloud post, and there really isn't room for control in there. Um, so in a traditional meta game, you have this like triangle where it's like control loses to com or uh, control beats combo, combo beats aggro, aggro can beat control, like you know to varying degrees depends on what what cards are in the format. Um, but I think that's especially true for modern, where the aggressive cards like neither reliquary, tarmogoyf, they're such important threats on their own that it's tough for control decks to get card advantage out of, like, Wrath of Gods or Engineering Explosives because they just deploy one threat, and all of a sudden they have to be answered. So they're really just one for winning a bunch, and then yeah. eventually eventually the, ag the aggro deck just, you know, takes over because they play a threat, and the control deck doesn't have an answer. Yeah. Um, but but because there was no control deck, all of a sudden you're left with these aggro decks fighting combo decks, which is a bad matchup for aggro, um, and then Cloud Poster in the mix, which is also a deck that's, loose against combo but good against aggro so mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have combo that's like has two insane matchups and the only way that you can really fight combo is with a very metagamed uh zoo list or you know aggro list in general and the problem with trying to metagame in a format that doesn't exist yet is that you really don't know what the metagame is you're, you're taking guesses but like really the only main deck hate card that zoo or any other aggro deck could run was a gaddick t um yeah due to, you know, four green suns units in their deck. But they couldn't play main deck after Sworn Cannons. They couldn't play main deck Blood Moons because it hurt themselves too much. They couldn't do... Like, there was just too... There's too many answer cards and not enough knowledge of what they need to be answering to really um, hate on the combo decks. And if you look at the combo decks, they came from all over the place. There's Splinter Twins. Like, uh, my deck, for example, the Swap deck had zero cards that got hurt by Gaddick T. Yeah. There's just, you know, there's uh, the, the Blazing Shoal deck, which happened to be weak against Zoo just because they had so much removal, but it was good mm -hmm. against the other decks preying on Zoo. There's just so many combo decks, and Wizards, like, actively tried to nerf these combo decks by taking out Hypergenesis, taking out Vampire Hex Mage, like, all these things. But um, at the end of the day, the card pool is just so large that, and the control cards got nerfed so much that combo just really ran away with it. 
So, so what's the fix? Like, like, are there like, do you feel there are enough cards out there that just weren't played? Like, now that we have the known element of sort of what we're up against, like, are there enough cards that are contained within the modern format to make this a sport, or do you think that there are some unbannings that need to happen? Well, absolutely, and I think most of those cards, re, re, uh, like exist in the control uh, portion of the triangle. Um, the problem is they weren't incentivized enough to really run them. There was, uh, so like Cryptic Command is like still an insane card. Like, it, I mean, the card's seen play in Legacy or whatever. Like, it's obviously a very good card. Dark Confidant, yeah. a very, very good card. So you have you have these cards that like, were really went untouched. Vendillion clicks another one. It's all a little bit of play, but not too much. Um, these cards are like very powerful, but they're just, there's not enough incentive to be running them because it's like, okay, I have four Vendillion clicks, four bobs in my deck. Uh, maybe like two or three cryptic commands, like where's the rest of my deck? And you really yeah. didn't have one. It was like, what's my draw engine? Do I turn to thirst for knowledge? If I do that, my deck sucks. I need artifacts, like blah, blah, blah. Well, because they banned things like Ancestral Vision, Jace, um, I think actually Thopter, or they banned Sword of the Meat, I guess, but the Thopter Foundry, Sword of the Meat combo, like that is actually a control control element. That is not a combo deck. Like if you're trying to get that thing off and you, you know, going forward on turn three, like what happens? You get two one ones on turn three. That's not very exciting. Like that's a control um a control win condition hidden in the form of a combo because it was associated with dark depths for so long. People were like, Oh, it's a combo, but it's actually not. It's really just another way for control to win. It's another, it's a morphling. It's a Maloku, whatever. Yeah. Um, so because they took away these elements, they took away good finishers. They took away good draw engines. Jace is both of those things. Um, all, they took away these things from, from control decks. So now control has bits and pieces that they really want. They have the cryptic commands. They have the, the dark confidants, whatever, but they're just lacking that kind of glue that holds them all together. So everyone's like, well, you know, why would I play a deck without draw, draw spells? I'm just one forwarding my opponent the whole time where instead I could be playing a lot of Mikado and like still one forwarding my opponent, but also attacking for three every turn. They just seem yeah. much better to them. Um, so I think when you start unbanning things like like visions, like Jace, like uh, Sword of the Meek, um, potentially Bitter Blossom, although I'm a little worried about it, uh, but but possibly Bitter Blossom, um, and then like Jit is another card. Jit is a card that lets mid range decks like Bant and Doran uh, really beat up on Zoo, which is a matchup that they already have problems with. And then the Bant and Doran decks are already naturally good against combo. They have thoughtsies, they have counter spells, whatever. While having yeah, so. Um, when you start banning un- unbanning cards like that and allowing control or mid-range control uh, to really rise up in popularity, all of a sudden, naturally, combo gets a little bit softer. Um, not because combo gets worse, but because combo has to adapt. So all of a sudden, instead of having these, char- we call them char-belter decks, basically decks that just want to go off as fast as possible. Yeah. Instead of having that, you have these combo decks that are really methodic and trying to um, resolve their combo. So like Splinter Twin would, for instance, be a good example of that. It's like a deck that can run counterspells, it can run disruption, and it has a very concise two-card combo, but it doesn't necessarily win as fast as, you know, Swath or Blazing Shoal or whatever. So when that's the combo deck of choice, all of a sudden Zoo can prevail. Like we saw Raptor, he ended up losing to it in the finals, but he also beat it in the semis, and people beat him, uh, he beat other Splinter Twin decks earlier. Um, when Splinter deck is the combo deck of choice, all of a sudden, like, you know, it's gotta it's gotta play these cards that really maneuver around control, which make it slower, which make it a little more awkward against aggro. So I, all of a sudden, aggro has a better match against combo. Yeah. Uh, control has a decent match against combo. It's not like you know, Splinter Twin just always beats control. And then uh, Splinter Twin and you know any other combo deck still crush Cloud Post. So I think that's a way to do it without banning anything and just unbanning things. Um, ultimately, if there's a wrench in the system that has to be banned, it'll end up being Cloud Post just because. It's the Valakut, quote unquote, of the format. So mm-hmm. it, it it oppresses Zoo and Control so much that combo kind of naturally dominates because um, it's just the most has the most inevitability out of every single deck. 
So you, it's difficult to have a control game, a control deck uh, exist while Cloudpost is just going over the top of you every single game. Maybe Thopter Foundry combo uh, would help that out there because um, Thopter Foundry combo is a it has a fairly decent clock once it gets going to actually kill the opponent. And in addition to that, it makes a whole bunch of guys so that Emrakul is like Annihilator trigger and you can block it. Like you could sack six tokens in the block and like be fine. So it's just, you know, you're basically tied up only by how much mana you have. So it's possible that gives control enough of an edge over uh, over Cloud Post just to, you know, push it over the top. But uh, if something has to be banned, I think the only thing that would ever have to be banned is Cloud Post. I don't like all this talk about Preordain and Ponder and Seeding Song, all those things being banned. I just don't think it's necessary. Once control gets good, all of a sudden those cards get significantly worse. They're playable still, but they're not like the best deck. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you, you see that, uh, I guess the combo decks then have to kind of become more like a, a tendril stack in Legacy, right? Where they have to take their time to kind of, you know, with some, you know, fight through disruption, use their own and kind of craft a hand that, you know, is going to let them go off instead of just, you know, raising to it. Or even like Splinter Twin in Standard. If you look at it, like it's an, it exists in a field full of Callblade and it's a deck that, you know, for the first six turns of the game or whatever it'll just be playing ponders preordains shrines like setting up and then ultimately it goes off with all this protection like that sort of combo is completely fine in a format as big as modern it's not degenerate it's not super fast it's a it's a it's a way to win the game but it's you know it's one that needs a lot of support and backup and i think that's completely fine uh as a combo deck it doesn't oppress aggro decks it doesn't oppress control decks it doesn't oppress anything except for cloud post which i think is fine because cloud post needs to be kept in check mm-hmm but yeah, like that that sort of combo deck is completely fine. You just don't want to have the the dredge style decks or the charbelter style decks where like on turn three, if you don't have very specific hate cards, all of a sudden you're dead. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened in the Pro Tour. Uh people try to, you know, jump the gun and, and deal with it and some decks, you know, didn't succeed because of uh because of very specific hate cards, but um uh, like for example, people running Death Cloud decks. Like Death Cloud was not a good strategy, it just happened to be good against combo. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think going forward, Wizards will, you know, they, they got a lot of feedback from us. They got a lot of feedback from articles over the past week and from the results of the actual tournament itself. So I think overall, um, they'll figure it out and they'll ban or unban whatever's necessary. Good. Okay. Uh, the, the one the one thing to note is I don't think you can unban Mental Misstep. I think that's a big uh, key here. Uh, people say unbanning Mental Misstep hurts combo decks, which is true to a certain extent. You're counting Rider Flames, Preordains, whatever, but it also helps those combo decks just as much. Like, if a combo deck's able to counter a Terminal Wild Nacatl, all of a sudden they bought three turns on the game or whatever, yeah. and then they could just, you know, masturbate with themselves and do whatever. Yeah, no, it, it totally, it fucks Zoo, like, in general, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we, we saw it happen in Legacy. Modern's gonna be even worse of an impact. Yeah, it, it hurts Zoo, but it also hurts all the cards that hurt combo. So, like, it hits Thoughtseize, it hits Duress, it hits uh, other people's spell pierces, other people's dispels, other people's yeah. uh, surgical extractions, like, all these cards that are good against combo all of a sudden combo gets to run mental misstep and stop it so it's like uh people that are arguing that it should be unbanned to stop combo it's just it that would not work at all because all the combo decks would also have four of them between main and side and you know it wouldn't really get anywhere yeah so uh so you made mention that you're coming out to montreal which is sick yep. so it's kyt's backyard <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah so uh i know that kyt's got some questions for you as it pertains to you know it's it's m12 limited if i'm not mistaken so like sealed in kind the draft yeah, but uh, <laughs> well, I just wish it was Innistrad. Like Innistrad comes out the week after that, or whatever, and it'd be so much cooler. But well, but San Diego, in case you guys do not know, did get changed to uh, Innistrad sealed. So. so did it used to, it used to be extended, right? Yeah, yeah, it was going to be extended. We were pretty sure they would change it to modern, but then they changed it to Innistrad sealed, which is awesome because uh, it's the only time we will be able to play with triple Innistrad sealed or you know full set Innistrad sealed or whatever. Um, ever except for the only other time you'd be able to is in uh, Chile, Santiago, Chile, and. 
a lot of people can't afford to go down there. Yeah. Yeah. Expect PV to wreck that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming he doesn't get cheated. There's a big reputation of cheating down there. Oh, okay. So, um, I guess I'll ask you one real quick before I, I pass you off to KYT to talk about some limited stuff. But, like, so, uh, do you play EDH at all? Uh, a little bit. Uh, basically comes come to, comes down to the fact that EDH is not a uh, sanctioned format for, like, professional anything. And I already have a little bit, uh, I'm already, you know, short on time as it is, like, recording videos, working on, uh, formats and whatnot, so I get to play whenever it's like a pre-release and I'm gunslinging or anything like that, but uh, I don't necessarily get to play as often as I would like. Gotcha. And you, f- how do you feel about it as a casual format in general? Like, is it is it a good direction to go? Are there, you know, more effective ways that people should be spending their time? Like, what's your opinion? Um, I think it's a great format in general. Um, I think that it's open enough to accommodate competitive and casual players. Um, I do think that there's this really awkward... Um, headbutting between casual and competitive players in the format. Like, uh, it's not a format where you can pick up your EDH deck, your commander deck, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. travel across the country, and then, you know, join a uh, a group of, like, four players playing, sit down and play, and necessarily be accommodated. Like, if you sit down and you have the, I have 30 combos in my deck and I'm trying to kill you on turn three, and you sit down to play with a bunch of casual players that are not expecting that, all of a sudden you are looked at in this very hostile light because they're playing EDH in a different way than you're playing EDH. Yeah. So I wish there was, like... Holy fuck. Speaking of that, like, sorry to interrupt you, but speaking of that, that happened to me last night. I went to go play fucking EDH with a bunch of, like, where I always play EDH, and we play for money, and you end with with an achievement system similar to, like, Xbox, where you're supposed to do things to get free packs, right? And I play Riku, which has, like good cards in it and then a couple of ways to go infinite um on turns and basically win but like not anything that like that i can actually search for or anything it's like if i happen to draw time warp well yeah that's a pretty good spell with riku but so is like tooth and nail right sure and so i fucking i'm like on turn like five i get like a a double natural order into Terastodon and something else, and I can copy Terastodon as well when it comes into play. So I just, like, wipe the board, and I'm, like, having fun and whatever. And, like, one of the achievements was, like, have 11 green, or have 11 permanents that are the same color. So that Terastodon gets me there, and everybody just fucking scoops, and then whines that I'm being douchey, and they're all playing the fucking most douchiest decks ever. Like, (laughs) there was a competitive Savra deck, there was a fucking Omnath deck, and there was a fucking Geth deck there, and all of these people I've played with before, and all of them have used douchey decks. I fucking hate that about EDH. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. like, I think there needs to be a a, a more governing agent that can be like, all right, like, you're playing EDH, like, 1.0, 1.0, you're playing EDH 2.0, or you're playing EDH Light, or whatever. Like, I don't know what you want to call it, but, like, just so that people know, like, hey, we're playing the same format, but we're not actually playing the same format. Like, they're actually, you know, I'm trying to kill you on turn two with my uh, Arayo lock that nobody likes, or I'm playing Rothalos, or whatever, and yeah. you're playing, you know, you're playing your uh, your Karn, no non-basic, or no basic land deck, and, like, sure, they're, they're technically the same format, but you know, I'm just trying to have fun and put Oblivion Stone counters on as many things as possible, and you're trying to kill me on turn two. Like, can we meet in the middle somewhere? Um, and people don't really know that that's happening until they're dead. Um, so I think that, you know, there needs to be a, more um, subsections of EDH just to kind of accommodate people and have everyone on the same page so nobody kind of gets blindsided. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I think that the format, the fact that you're, allowed, that you're able to do all those things is nice. 
I just think that think that there needs to be like you know uh, the scarlet letter or whatever you need to wear around and be like, look, I'm trying to kill you on turn two. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and how do you even like regulate that with a card pool that's so huge that like you can literally have a hundred decks that have the same general and none of them are the same. Right, yeah, like that's. Uh, I think that's what the problem with EDH is like, and most people will will herald it at like will be so happy about the format. Like that's a big pull for them is that they can do like either the worst shit on the planet in terms of like being janky garbage and have fun, or they can do the worst stuff on the planet in terms of like being a rapist of Africa or something. Like <laughs> they can just like do whatever they want, and no one can say boo. It's just really annoying because like. The thing is, like, fun is different for everybody, right? Like, some people have fun being, like, an asshole, and some people have fun, like, being idiots um, and building, like, the worst decks on the planet. And then Some some people like to cast Tooth and Nail into Keldon Firebombers and Nate that betrays. Yeah, like, I don't even know what the fuck that even is. (laughs) (laughs) Conley laughs, laughs, like, I've done that. (laughs) I've dreamed about it, I've dreamed about it. You know, so like, so like, I think that's the thing with EDH is like, everybody likes that aspect of it. But then if you win by doing something awesome, then everybody bitches. That's what the thing is, I think. I think everybody is like a fucking martyr. My my two favorite things to do in EDH these days are, uh, in multiplayer games, I just like to build decks that don't actually win. They just, uh, do as many funky things as possible. You know, they're they're playing the cards that give permanence to everybody, or like you're you're gambling for permanence. You just drag games. How many times have you resolved Scrambleverse? Uh, I actually have not, because I didn't add that to that particular deck as of yet, because I haven't played in a while. But like Goblin Game, things like that are in the deck. And then the other deck for single player that I like to play with is my Mill deck. Uh, It's Mono Blue Mill, just because people do not expect it. And even when they lose, they're like pretty happy that they lost to a Mill deck. Um, and of course, it gets beat by like a single Drowsy, but at pre-releases or whatever, I'll show up with my mill deck, and uh, it's just all you know, all control magics and counter spells, and then a bunch of mill cards, and like they don't even care that you're countering their spells because they're just laughing by the fact that you know you countered with the broken ambitions or whatever. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty fun. Nice, nice. All right, so KYT, pick the master's brain. Oh, I just wanted to quickly mention uh, we talked about how uh, how secretive Conley was with his list. Obviously, with Pro Tours, he, he probably is, but uh, ever since I just randomly talked to him online on Facebook, since John Mannequin and asking him for uh, Blue Green, his Blue Green Genesis wave that he took uh, to a second place finish at SCG, Conley's been really kind when um, I sort of needed a deck to, to play at a low fun local tournament. So thanks a lot, Conley. Yeah, for... I mean, I, I don't always have like a list available, which, you know. <laughs> Sucks, but you know, if I if I have one and it's like I'm not saving it for anything important, like I don't mind like helping people out. Yeah. yeah. By the way, like Blue Green Wave was absolutely the shit. Like I play, like we all all of us on this cast played the living hell out of that deck. Holy <laughs> fuck! That was like so awesome that deck. <laughs> oh my god! I've played Valakut since it was a deck, and everyone can just suck my hairy balls on that too. They're so, just gonna whine <laughs> so, about that. But so, I switched to Wave when it came out. So here's the question. So let me let me ask real quick, like, so you lose Tree Speaker, right? And like, post-rotation, right? So we lose Tree Speaker, but, like, the Titan. obviously we don't have Jace anymore, but we've got the Titans, we've got, you know, the Waves, we've got Ramp coming out the Wazoo, like, viable, remotely close? Like, have you even been looking at it? Like, are, fucks, here's, here's my segue. Like, where are you post-rotation? Is your head even there? <laughs> I have not looked at post-rotation anything as of right now. Well, the main reason is... Uh... There is not a constructed anything until Worlds, so and I just finished a Pro Tour, so kind of like taking a constructed break. Okay. Um, 
like I have to do some deck doc- like right now I'm doing a deck doctor that's just like embarrassingly bad. It's like a, <laughs> a bludgeon brawl, paladin, pure skill paladin deck, and I can't win. Like I'm trying to get it there, I just can't. I'm just recording and laughing the whole time because I can't do it. Uh, it's gonna be bad. Like it's actually funny because I just posted um some rogues gallery stuff on Channel Fireball where it's like uh me playing the uh LSG calls it Conblade. I didn't name it that, but called it Conblade. And it was like Mirror Crusaders and uh, Azur Mages and stuff like that. And I was playing that, uh, getting ready for the tournament, and I figured I would record it. And people were like, this isn't rogue enough. What are you doing? You need to be more rogue. And I'm like, whatever, guys. I can't, you know, I can't please everyone. And then I'm going to release this terrible deck doctor with this bludgeon brawl BS that I can't ever really. <laughs> Goblin Cavaliers and Cold Duelists. It's bad. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my God, this. dude. I'm going to release this. Everyone's going to be like, I thought this Chris that was on last week. Everyone's going to be like, this deck's not good enough. Why would you play this? It's clearly just too bad. And I'm like, look, like, one week you're yelling at me for not being rogue enough. The next week I'm being too rogue. Like, like you can't please everybody. But um, <laughs> Too rogue. Yeah, well, I mean, that's they're going to say this is too rogue. This deck is – basically what happened is, like, during the Pro Tour, I didn't get very many submissions for uh, for Deck Doctor because, uh, you know, it had been a while. Um, saying we were working on Pro Tour stuff. So I basically had to pick one, and this was, like, the most interesting one. And I had I had high hopes, but I think I've won, like, one out of ten matches. <laughs> I'm just losing tickets. Like, everyone's like, why did you join the two-mans instead of, like, you know, an eight-man? I'm like, because I don't have that many tickets to throw away. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a uh, – I don't even know what the original question is, but that's where I ended up with it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we lost the original question. Oh, it was, it was about – it was about uh, – that's going to be viable. Uh, but yeah, I haven't looked at uh, post uh, Innistrad constructed all that much. A, the set's like, you know, a third out or whatever, not even. Um, so that kind of hinders it. And uh, like I said, World is the next constructed format. So I, I'll wait until then because there are probably going to be some bannings and unbannings for Modern uh, before Worlds. And uh, I mean, I don't know if Wave will be viable just because Lotus Cobra is gone, which is a big, mm. big part. Uh, I mean, Tree Speaker leaving is a pretty big part. Yeah. Spreading Seas was pretty important at the time. And also, like, it depends on the metagame. Like, if the metagame is all, like, Tempered Steel, like, you can't beat Tempered Steel with the Genesis. Oh, yeah, no, no, never. Uh, never. So, like, you know, if, if the metagame is anything like uh, Nagoya showed us, I don't think it can exist, because um, it didn't exist in uh, in Nagoya at all. Granted, yeah. there was no Titans there, but... Um, I mean, it'll be interesting, we'll see. I'm not going to write it off completely, but uh, I do not have high hopes for uh, yeah. <laughs> green sorcery. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So uh you you've been looking at the Innistrad spoilers? Uh yep. Uh any cards that stand out as really exciting as you know getting your brewmaster uh, hard on? I mean, that's pretty much all this set is, right? It, this set reminds me so much of Kamigawa. Anybody uh remembers that like a lot of underpowered cards are like super interesting, but not necessarily like, you know, going to be breaking anything. Uh Moreland Haunt, which just got uh spoiled I think yesterday. That card looks sweet. That's the uh it's a land, tap for colorless, and then you have blue, white, tap, exile creature card from your graveyard, put a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature with flying into play. Oh, yeah. That card seems sweet. It's not that all that exciting. Um, but I don't know. That's so, like, It's sad when a land is the most exciting thing. Uh, but it really has. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of cool cards. They just released the the card that, like, when you draw a card but you have no cards in your library, you win the game. Like, that guy's... Uh, he, he gets my gears turning a little bit, but I don't know... Everyone's saying you play him with a leveler, basically. The actual card leveler, not not the ability leveler. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if he'll be good, but he's kind of, he's interesting. Uh, I do like the five, what's his name? He's got a weird, everything in the set has a weird name. Uh, Mere Mad Phantasm. I like that guy a lot. Uh, he's a 5-1 flyer for three-cost blue-blue mythic. 
You get to mill a bunch of like, mill a bunch of cards and and yeah. like shuffle him in and then find him again. The cool thing about him is that the colon comes after the or the colon comes before the shuffle part. So theoretically, if you had four of these in your deck and you paid eight mana, you would get all four of them into play after milling yourself a whole bunch, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, I don't again, I don't know if it's good, but it, it's kind of an exciting card. I've always liked those uh, undercosted big flyer guys. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, it's an interesting set. Snapcaster Mage. It looks like it's gonna be a pretty sweet. Tiago Chan's card, even though it's nothing like his original card. Well, like, how many? Do, do you have any idea how many cards he actually submitted? Like Forsyth kind of said, "Well, here's the you know here's the invitational card. We finally got him to submit one that you know we can print." Yeah, I'm sure it was like thirty five thousand or something close to that. Because <laughs> like the rumor initially was that it was going to be a land, right? And yeah, it, was it was a land you could cycle to counter a spell or something. That was the one he publicly submitted. It was a uh, it was a land that tapped for colas, and you paid two colas, two blue, and discarded to counter target. Yeah. So. uh... I don't know. Thiago stole my first ever Grand Prix top eight from me, so fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk. Let's be real for a minute and let's talk about fucking guys. Um, you ha- you have to have some awesome scumbag oh, yeah. stories that you can share with the A team. Scumbag score- stories? Yeah, yeah I want to like know I... about like when you scumbagged someone or when someone scumbagged you, I and I, like you can use their name. I think I don't. Should. I don't think I ever. I can't ever remember scumbagging someone. Um. I just, I don't play like that. I, don't know. I, I honestly don't. I just, I would feel bad. Um, a good example is uh, Grand Prix Seattle. Uh, it is the week before Honolulu, uh, kind of when I broke onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, at that time, I'm playing a Necro Skitter deck. Uh, the the uh, the Swans Cascade list has been out, and people are playing the Jund Bloodbraid deck that splashes for Cryptic Commands. But mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm playing Necro Skitter. Screw you guys. Uh, so I show up with Necro Skitter, and it's like the last round of day one, I think, and I'm, I'm in the winning in round, and uh, I'm playing with two Resounding Thunder, and my opponent's basically at like six life, and I look down, and I he's going to kill me, um, with something, I can't remember what, but I had seven mana in play. Um, so I just, I go to tap my mana, and I only tap three, and I, like, say, you know, resounding thunder you. He's like, oh, so I'm dead? I'm like, no, I can't actually, like, cycle it, because uh, I'm one mana short, so you're not actually dead. He's like, oh, okay. Uh, good game then? <laughs> so I was like, yeah. And he was like, you know, you could have just, uh, you know, tapped your mana, all your mana, and said resounding thunder you, and I would probably would have scooped. And I'm like, yeah, and I thought about it. Like, I could have just tapped seven mana, said resounding thunder you. It's perfectly legal. I'm not saying, like, cycle it or anything like that. Um, and, like, see if he'll scoop. And, like, I, this thought process went through my mind before I did it. Um, and especially after he, like, went to go mark his life total, I was like, oh, I should have. But, like, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Because, like, I don't know, winning magic like that, it just feels dirty to me. Like, uh, I mean, I want to be, like, I want magic to, to showcase skill first and foremost. And, you know, if you pull off like a cool little Jedi mind trick every once in a while and it's like perfectly within the rules and your opponent's kind of like, you know, doesn't feel like they got cheated by it. Like that's, you know, good for you. But I don't think relying on that sort of thing is like uh, is good for magic or good for your progression as a player because you don't learn from that kind of stuff. You don't you don't you can't get better at scumming people or whatever. Like, that's just something you do. And, yeah. like, you, you can get better learning to play the game and learning, like, maybe I made a mistake some point in time. Maybe I discarded a land or something I shouldn't have or whatever. Like, uh, I mean, it's just, like I said, I think, you know, at times I've, uh, I've you know, stopped my opponent from doing something in, I guess, a sort of rules lawyer manner, but it was, like, something they screwed up and I just wouldn't let them go through with it. But I don't think I've ever intentionally misled my opponent to, like, get a win. 
So who scumbagged you then? Uh, I mean, I've gotten scum- I've gotten cheated, like actual cheated. I've gotten scumbagged plenty of times. Uh, usually, I'm pretty crisp and clean with my interactions, my rules, so people don't get to like pull little fast ones on me and you know catch me blindsided. But at GP Denver, uh, this is a good, pretty good. Well, first of all, did you guys hear about the? Uh, I gotta get this one out there. Did you hear about the cheating story uh, for Love Janssen in? Uh, nope. In- Philly. All right, so this is one of the best cheating stories ever. So, <laughs> sweet. So I love it. I love it. <laughs> so good. So, Love Janssen is playing uh playing against some guy playing Splinter Twin, and Love has uh this like this is Sharkat by the way. I'm gonna refer to him as Sharkat right now because I really want to call him Love, and that's not technically his pronunciation. But anyway, he's Sharkat. So. Uh, he top eighted worlds for anyone that doesn't remember. So Sharkat's playing against guy playing Splinter Twin. And guy playing Splinter Twin has just played Kiki Jiki, and he already has a Deceiver X Arc in play. Um, and and Sharkat has a Spell Sky in play. So the guy's like, you know, tap my Kiki Jiki targeting my my Spell Sky, and Sharkat's like redirect to my Spell Sky. And the guy like thinks for a second, picks up Spell Sky, picks up uh, Kiki Jiki. And for anyone that doesn't know, Kiki Jiki can only target your creatures. Yeah. And uh, Deceiver XR can also only target untapped your things. So once you choose untapped, then you can't redirect that either. So there's really no way to disrupt this combo at this point with Spellskite. Um, and the guy's like, uh, that doesn't work. And Sharkhead's like, yeah, I know. And so the guy's, huh. like, the guy's like, what, you know? He's like, yeah. And uh, so, so the guy calls over Judge. He's like, hey, my opponent claims that he knew how this interaction worked, but he was trying to use it anyway. And the judge okay, is like, but- but okay, but hold on. So why would okay? It's perfectly legal for him to target that ability with Spellskite. It's just not right. going to do anything. Correct. So at this okay. point, nothing's nothing's really. Uh, nothing's yeah. Shut up, Runer. Um. So <laughs> so the the judge comes over and he's like, "Hey, the opponent says you knew about this," and, and he's like, "Sharkhead's like, yeah, I knew about it." Um. And he's like, "Okay, well, why did you?" And he's like, "Uh, well, this is the first time I've ever seen Kiki Jiki, so." Um, I didn't actually know about it. He's like, Ugh. don't know about it? And the guy's like, yeah, this is the first time I've ever played with Kiki Jiki, and so I didn't know. He's like, why is your opponent saying that you said you knew? He's like, well, I said that, but I didn't actually know. I didn't I didn't know the interaction. And so his opponent's like, wait a second, you beat me with Kiki Jiki Deceiver XR last game. And the guy's like, no, I didn't. He's like, yes, you won with Kiki Jiki combo, like the game before this. And he's like, no, I don't even have Kiki Jiki in my deck. The judge is like, which one of you is lying? And like, uh, Sharkat's like, I don't have Kiki Jiki in my deck. You can look. And so they like flip over his deck. They start counting. They're looking. They're looking. Looking. They can't find a Kiki Jiki. And his opponent's like, his opponent's like, the guy beat me with Kiki Jiki last game. I promise you, he has Kiki Jiki in his deck. And the judges like, for some reason, they're not going to look at the deck list. And they're like, we can't find Kiki Jiki. What's going on here? Um, and so the judge starts piling out his deck and like piles it all into like the the spells and like he's like, you know, counts it up. And he's like, this is only fifty nine cards. And his opponent's like, wait a second, what's that under your hand? And the entire time, Sharkat's been leaning on a Kiki Jiki with just, like, it, palming it in his hand. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. Just hit it from, like, his, from everybody. And it's like, how, how could he not? Like, you know, he's playing three-card Monty with, with his Kiki Jiki or whatever. What um, the fuck? So that's why he, he got DQ'd from the tournament, because he was hiding a Kiki Jiki and just directly lying to the judge. All he had to say was, like, I knew how it worked. I was just trying to, like, you know... Uh, redirect to the spell sky, which I know doesn't work, but maybe my opponent scoops or whatever. If he just says that, he's off scot free. Everything's good. But instead, he lied to a judge and then hit a card for them like some dummy, like running. I could just imagine him like running away from the judges, like hiding in his pants or whatever. But yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was classic. Uh, so yeah, he got DQ. Wow. And he'll probably be uh, worse. Will probably happen to him. He'll probably get suspended. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, at, uh, at GP Denver, the first one, which was, uh, not the first one, the first one I played it, which was, uh, Fairies block time, uh, the one that Jerry T won, um, I had an opponent in like round six or whatever. He's playing, if you guys, were you guys playing back then? Do you guys remember that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he was playing the, uh, I don't even remember the name of it. It was like the assassin that like, you remove an assassin from your graveyard and you kill something. He's like a black, black for a 2-2. Um, he just tapped. I don't know. I don't remember his name. He's like, an elf or something. Um, but anyway, he, he's playing that. Uh, Scar, Scarblade Assassin. So he's playing that deck, and I'm playing uh, River Kelpie. And um, game one, he's just, like, crushing the crap out of me. Every time I look up, he's just got, you know, six or seven cards in hand. He's playing this deck without any draw spells. But every time I look up, there's, like, a Doran and two uh, two Renzron Vanquishers and the Assassin and, like, everything in play. And I'm just getting my, my ass handed to me. I can't do anything about it. Um, and he easily wins. Then game two, uh, uh, I somehow, uh, I somehow get there against him. I can't remember what happens, but like, I like, you know, thought he's him a couple times throughout the game, and he's just like, like I said, he's always got six or seven cards in the end, so it's really fishy to me. So game three, um, I open up, and I, I'm on the draw, and I can go turn one, uh, Thoughtseize on him, but I decide that, like, I'm going to, uh, uh, not Thoughtseize him on turn one, because I'm pretty sure this guy's cheating, and I want to catch him at it. So he goes, like, turn one, land go. I'm like turn one land that could thought seize him. Don't thought seize him. He goes turn. <laughs> he goes turn th- turn two. Uh, Ren's run vanquisher and passes the turn. And I go uh, turn two. Uh, thought seize him and he immediately like holds his cards. He like he like freaks out. He's like what? And, like pulls his cards close to his chest and then puts them back over the thing. Like goes to put them uh, under the table and he's like Gee, his hands are all just shaking. He doesn't know what to do. He lays down his hand. <laughs> And his hand is, I immediately notice it's nine guards already. So he's had, he's had one draw step. He's cast two, uh, played two lands and a Renzone Vanquisher. So his hand should be, what, five cards, I believe, yeah. at that point? And instead he has nine cards. So in <laughs> one draw step, he somehow drew four extra cards. This is, like, absurd to me. So he, like, puts on his hand, and I, like, immediately just, like, count out loud. I'm like, one, two, three. <laughs> this is nine cards, dude. And he's like, oh, I must have drawn an extra card in action. I was like, no, you must have drawn a lot of extra cards. He's like, uh... No, I, I think it was just one. So I could call a judge. Judge comes over. Um, they immediately start investigating it. And while they're investigating it, I'm like, I look over and I notice that he has a deck box. His deck box is in front of his deck. And his the guy sitting next to him, who he does not know, he took his deck box and has made a wall. He like put it next to his deck box and has barricaded his deck. And I'm like, hey, why do you have your deck boxes like that? He's like, oh, because sometimes when I draw, I accidentally show my opponents the card. And I'm like, what? Like, how do you how do they, how do you physically draw and, like, flash them the card? He's like, yeah, it happens. <laughs> what the fuck? So, so yeah, so um, he, after drawing four cards extra in a single draw step, uh, the judges give him a game loss, but it's game three, so he gets a match loss. I politely ask the judges to, like, reconsider and then, like, also follow him for the rest of the tournament if they're going to let him in. And then he, like, he would travel to very far. I don't even remember his name. It was, like, my sixth or seventh round opponent in Denver. I could probably go look it up. But uh, he like would travel to other tournaments in uh, in various parts of the country by himself without a team, without any players, and like always top thirty two, top sixteen. And like I knew the entire time that he was just cheating, and I would inform judges of this, and they would just never do anything about it. Uh, but yeah, that guy was a total tool, and I was pretty happy to get him a game loss, but unfortunately, did not lead to more. So like the judges scumbagged you? Uh, I mean, they did. They were just <laughs> the judges just are not trained for that sort of situation. Like they're. What? They they're not trained they, for dealing with people that not, draw five extra cards? I mean, they're trained for it, but they don't, like, have real-life training. Like, it doesn't happen that often. So when it does happen, they're all nervous and scared. They're, like, don't want to, like, ruin someone's reputation. They don't want to ruin Oh, I see. Reputation. 
So all of a sudden they like they basically just cower and don't know what to do. That's a pretty good excuse. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you held back Thoughtseize for catching a cheater value. I was easy. <laughs> Mega value like, crap. But yeah, it was it was that was a good. One. <laughs> you nice. just it just kills me still. You held out Thoughtseize <laughs> to catch oh, him. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's so there was no there was no way he was gonna like draw an extra card before he had a draw step. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he might have though. He might have. Wow, that is that's so fucking awesome. so awesome. So, who's who's the best person to room with when you're on the road? Uh, I prefer Owen Turnwald, just because we uh, we have a lot of laughs and we just joke around and uh, play Ascension on his phone and watch <laughs> videos and then you know go drinking or whatever whenever we can. Uh, and then nice. road tripping so- it to Montreal with uh, Owen and uh, another buddy Brandon Large. We're all coming up together. Nice. So who's the worst then? Uh, easily Brad Nelson, and <laughs> I know it, it's bad. Not because necessarily um, that he is like not a likable person, but because he's. <laughs> first I mean, I think also might be true. I'm not sure. Uh, so it's because he's the worst, loudest snorer of all time, and it's just like obnoxiously <laughs> loud and. No one likes rooming with him. He has a level eight hotel, and nobody will ever take him up on his free hotel because it's just like. <laughs> so, so listen. Uh, there's there's like these terrible rumors that you guys don't get along so well. Um, I mean, I don't know about rumors. They're just uh, what I mean. We get along. We get along. We're cordial. We're professional. Um, we have like this like minor feud. It's like frenemies type thing, and like the team likes to exploit it, and uh, they make us like. <laughs> They make us, you know, play each other on team drafts all the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, a... <laughs> hey. Tell us the story. Tell us the story. What story? There's no story. We there just... has to be a story. You can... <laughs> so so did this did this happen before or after he, like, mind-tricked the shit out of you? Like, because yep. that, that's, like, that's terribly documented, right? <laughs> there was no mind-tricking nothing. There was no... Nothing like that happened. Basically, <laughs> under Sphinx negate fiasco. That that's what would you call that then? No, that was just, so like he actively tried to do that, but coverage made a big deal out of it when like yeah. it wasn't even relevant to the game. Like I was, I think I was losing the next turn no matter what. So like, okay, it was like one of those situations where if I draw one of my outs, I have to cast it regardless. Like there was no anything, and coverage made this big deal about how like smart Brad Nelson was, but that was it was a hundred percent irrelevant. Just like they made a big deal out of him knowing that Guillaume picked a mind control over Conundrum Sphinx. Like, those types of things are, uh, you know, it, it's basically uh, it's basically <laughs> reality show drama. They're just trying to, like, you know, edit the coverage in such a way that it looks like these, that these things happen and they're so crazy and so cool that it's like, how could he ever think of that? But in reality, like, the, the situation that they talked about was not as big of a, as big of a deal as they made it out to be. Um, we actually make fun of Brad because he, at one point, named... He claims to have named so Brian Kibler was watching the match and Brian Kibler effed me during that match because uh he said <laughs> he said he told Brad that I he had passed me overwhelming stampede, so Brad brought in a fog despite not not ever seeing overwhelming stampede, so I lost a game to a fog that I otherwise wouldn't have. Um because of Kibler. But um anyway Blame Kibler. <laughs> Kibler Because Kibler? Yeah. Kibler is watching and Brad has this attack with conundrum sphinx and he has like Triskelion in his hand or something like that. Um but he names Triskelion with the Conundrum Sphinx, knowing that it won't reveal. It's irrelevant to me because this is like for lethal. Um, and his thought was that 
if he names if he names Triskelion, uh, Kibler would then try to play around Triskelion because he would know it's in his deck and and or something like that. And we're like, Brad, you know, if you just don't name Triskelion, then Kibler doesn't ever think that you have Triskelion in your deck at all, and that's much better for you because you can't really play around Triskelion. It's like you know, how do you play around you know sorcerer speed lightning bolt or whatever? And he's like, no, no, it was good because he then thought I had a card, but he wasn't sure if I had it. And like, Brad, you know, if you just name like, you know, uh, Voices of the Damned or some stupid card, like all of a sudden, like, Kibler has no idea of a Driskelion and that's much better for you. And he defends it this day, but he was just terrible by name. So like, I mean, there was like, it, but the coverage I'm sure was like, yeah, and then Brad named Driskelion and, and it's like, probably not. I mean, like I said, they tried to, they definitely sensationalize, definitely sensationalize everything, but there was no mind tricking that happened. He basically got super lucky. He hit, like, blind three times off the of Conundrum Sphinx. Wow. Was, I mean, whatever. He's he's Luxek. I mean, just look at... Just, <laughs> just saying. Just, 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 just look at this year versus last year. That's all I'm saying. Okay. From player of the year to 12 points or whatever he has. That's all I'm saying. Whoa. How many points did you get? Hey, let's not talk about me. Uh, okay. <laughs> I've, had a, I've had a pretty bad year this year, but I also was not player of the year. Yeah. So does does that have anything to do with with him jumping ship, like, or is he still kind of like part of the team? Uh, it, he works with us. It's a little awkward at times because he did jump ship. Um, but I mean, you know, people got to do what they have to do as far as like professionally is concerned. Uh, I mean, you got to make money or whatever. Uh, but yeah, we have it's a it's a friendly, it's like a brotherly type thing. Only I don't know how to describe it. It's you know, it's it's a friendly. Uh, battle between us. We're kind of we kind of came out at the same time. We've you know had similar success. Uh, obviously, he was player of the year, but I like the year before that had like you know twenty more points than he did or whatever. It kind of went slightly undocumented, but uh, I don't know. We've had we we've had comparable careers so far, so we kind of have this like friendly rivalry thing going on. And uh, I think it's overall it's uh, it's fine. Um, you know, he'll poke fun at me when he goes on podcast. I poke fun at him when I go on podcast. You know, whatever. Nice. So uh, you talk about points, really good segue. So Wizards obviously has announced that uh, they're doing away with the old ELO system rating, and there's been a lot of uh... ELO. Yeah, I've ELO. never heard it called that nope, either. Nobody calls it ELO. It's ELO. All right. Well, my apologies. It's how we rock okay. up here in Canada. Nobody it's only how known. he rocks. I don't rock like that. <laughs> I blame the I blame the Kraken. Um, anyways. Uh, so yeah, so so the ELO rating system um, has been basically nerfed. Uh, we're now into Planeswalker points, which is which an is expression. Which so G-bomb. Okay, yeah. fine. So they probably oh, could have chosen fuck. a better name for Great it and made it less geeky. But... Exile and Battlefield and Fight and fuck <laughs> off. How about that? How, much... How long before we have potions to heal our Pokemon <laughs> and shit? And like, fuck! It's, uh, it's fair points. What yeah. what are are you are you an arch are you an arc mage there, uh, Conley Woods? Are you? Uh, I I am. I think I'm a battle mage. Oh I'm my level, god! How I'm, level, I'm level forty four, whatever that is. That's so one under one, is. one under arc. <laughs> so so I, I, obviously you know there's good and bad to all of this, right? Tell um, me the good first. Well, the good is is that. Everybody, you're rewarded for playing more magic. People don't have to sit on their, like, be afraid to play, you know, an event somewhere because they need to sit on the rating. Like, Peace Hams, I'm looking at you. So this is, like, a really good opportunity for him to, you know, play more magic, get better, stop bitching, and, you know, just, like, 
like show everyone how good he really is, and that's awesome. Love you, bro. Um, uh, the bad is that you're rewarded for playing more magic. Right. Ex- Instead well, of being ex- skillful. Well, yeah. no, and that's that's exactly right. And I and I think that you know part of the issue is. And by the way, uh, the great debate number six that's on MTG Cast uh, with Sam Stodd and Chris Lansdale and Gavin. I think they did a really good job of kind of like outlining some of the good and bad. And I think that the the message that kind of comes through there is we took a terrible system that had some good points, and we've now replaced it with a good system that still needs a little bit of work. And and I think that that's probably going to get fixed along the way. I mean, I think it's really just an expression of the multipliers, and I think that's where you know the adjustment needs to come in. Well, um, also also uh, higher finishes. Like you're not rewarded for currently making a top eight of a grand prix uh, outside of getting an additional like you know you know if for instance if you lose your grand prix round or whatever, you just get the same multiplier. So somebody that makes top eight of a grand prix and then loses in round one would get the same amount of points as someone who lost in the last in round. In the finals. One, yeah. one in the last round of their of the round. No, no, not in the finals because then you can get, you know, you get additional six match points. But a person who did not make top eight got like, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Got, you know, 16th or whatever. They would get the same amount of points, which just doesn't make sense because they played the same number of rounds technically. Or they, the other guy played one more round, but because he lost, he doesn't get an additional uh, yeah. points. So I think that that sort of thing where they're not waiting uh, good finishes is a little messed up. Same thing for a pro tour. Like if you make the top of a pro tour, you should be you know, rewarded more than somebody who got 13th in the pro tour. But yeah, right now, uh, as far as points is concerned, you're not, it's just all monetary. Yeah. Which is my, my, my big thing too, is for players that aren't you, like for players that aren't on team sponsored or pros, if you're not able to hit up the big events all the time, um, then, like, you're getting, what, FNMs is, like, the highest multiplier, and, like, I hopefully mean, there's a PTQ in your city, maybe? To be like, fair, this is, this is much, I think this is much better for players that don't attend as many big events. Like, um, currently, if you don't attend big events, and you're just FNMing, you can, like, I mean, I got over to 2,000 uh, from my first Grand Prix off FNM, but that was, like, three years of FNMs, and it was all, you know, winning nonstop yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But, like, getting to 2050 off of just FNMs is almost impossible, whereas getting yeah. to three three buys off just FNMs with this system is, like, not only possible, but might be maybe the best, like, route to doing so. It's um, just that it feels really grindy to me. Like, and it feels like, again, not to pull Pokemon into it, but instead to go a different way. It feels like I'm playing Diablo or WoW. Like, I now have a name for what level I am. I now, I, I now grind points, and I can't lose experience when I die. I just grind points. And yeah, like, I, mean, I, I agree with that. That it does seem less. Uh, it fluctuates. It doesn't fluctuate. So it's like a little, a little stranger in that sense. Uh, but I also think that like. Over time, this will kind of all work itself out, and they'll figure out, uh, you know, exactly where they need to be setting, uh, you know, stops for certain people. Plus, uh, the fact that this gives airfare to a hundred people that might not have otherwise gotten it, because before, yeah, I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, before they were only giving airfare to PTQ winners, and PTQ still exists. So, like, if you don't want to grind, you can still just show up to a PTQ and win it, and go to the pro tour. Like, that's completely viable, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, for me personally, I have to wait till the Pro Players Club uh, is announced because that's obviously what uh, impacts me the most. Um, and if that is, you know, has been changed drastically or gotten rid of or whatever, all of a sudden my, uh, you know, I might have to hang up my deck boxes or whatever, which would be kind of sucky. I suspect that they're going to, you know, do justice to us and uh, um, make it, you know, represent us in a, in a fair um, light. But, you know, who knows? Um, hopefully they release those details in the in the coming weeks at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the major changes that you're starting to see, right? Like, I mean, you you were basically able to get onto the pro tour with 
you know, top 16 in your Grand Prix, then that's certainly not happening anymore. And, you know, now it's a matter of I need to get, you know, a certain number of points, you know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, I think it all comes down to the multipliers, right? Like you get a top eight multiplier and that'll, that'll solve a lot of it, you know, but <laughs> I think overall it, uh, it's, it's going to be fine. I think that we just, it's, it's another change and magic players as a group, you know, we fear change in sunlight. Um, so I think that, uh, I think it'll be fine. So, anyways, uh, KYT, uh, on the note of Grand Prix. <laughs> that was a terrible segue. I'm... <laughs> He's the king of terrible segues. Um, Colin, I just wanted to ask you if you knew about... I still haven't uh, checked the official website to, to confirm if this is true, but my, my close friends tell me this is true. But apparently, if you have... Um, you obviously have... Am I wrong to assume that you have three buys? Uh, you are wrong to assume that, but I do have three buys. Okay. No, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what that means. So. <laughs> um, but apparently, Sorry, like, Dad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was level six last year. You can you can safely assume I have three buys. Oh man, damn! I was wrong. Okay, I just read this here. Now it's actually fifty dollars. It's pretty crazy. Players with three buys have the option of enrolling. Oh, yeah, no, no, never mind. It's not 50 bucks extra, so it is $10. So for $10 extra, you can join the event during round three with a pre-registered deck. Oh, my God. We were talking to fucking Jason Ness about this for Nats, about a lazy, a lazy like, late <laughs> check-in fee that you could do. <laughs> right. And he was, like, he, was, we were, he was, like, seriously considering it, and we were going through all the pros and cons. I'd love to know what Conley thinks of that. So, wait, so it's $10 more. And you get to show up at round three, and somebody else has already registered your deck for you, and you sit down. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, interesting. I will personally not be taking advantage of this unless uh, for some reason. <laughs> I, like, I think this is a this is a, actually a really good thing because some players, you know, can't make it in time due to flights, or um, some players are driving in or whatever. Yeah, some players may have gotten drunk the night before, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and they want to, you know, show up late. I think it's fine to to have that type of uh, fee. Because, you know, some players would pay it, and the ones that don't, they just show up like normal. So it's basically just a free option, which is kind of nice. But, uh, yeah, that seems kind of cool. I mean, I personally will not be taking advantage of it. It seems like a waste of $10. And uh, I want to be able to sit down, spend 30 minutes building my deck, finish building my deck, and then, you know, if it's wrong during the three rounds, I get to, like, you know, show LSB or show, you know, Ben S or whatever. and be like, hey, is this deck good? And they're like, no, you need to fix it. And all of a sudden I get to fix it. Um, so I think that time is more valuable than not having that time. But I think this option is kind of cool for like people like you know Christian Calcano or whatever who works you know five days a week and all of a sudden he has to fly in late Friday night to make it to a GP. Now this like lets him fly in early Saturday morning, whatever, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm interested. Till just now. Yeah, I'm interested to see who actually uh, knows about this option and who's actually gonna take this option. I think you you probably have to re- register like on Friday through some someone or somehow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, uh, like, um, Paul Reitzel or whatever might be doing that or whatever. So what about, so, like, like how does this affect the those players, like, that are not in the Hall of Fame, that have been playing a while, and just kind of sit on their rating and decide that they're going to come and join a, a pro tour because of their rating? Like, those people are getting fucked, right? Like, large and hard? Wait, what do you mean? Well, sorry, I'm, I'm just back to the points thing real quick. I just had a thought. Like, you get the people that, you know, are... 
that are traditionally, you know, some of the best of the best, right? That in, sure. historically are there. They don't play in a lot of events, right? Like but Paul they Chion kind of, type thing. Sure, like Paul Chion. Like, doesn't he get fucked by this? Um, absolutely. Um, as he well, so like, there's there's two two sides of it. He doesn't get the same benefits that he would that he did before, uh, where he you know he could show up, get three buys to uh to Grand Prix Denver, and then all of a sudden, you know, win or top eight, not win, but top eight Grand Prix Denver, which was awesome for him because he had been able to play very much. Um, so he doesn't get that luxury anymore, which kind of sucks. But he does because of the seasons thing, where like you know, you basically your your performance across four months tallies up to whether or not you make the Pro Tour. Because mm -hmm. of that, um, he can kind of show up, and if you know he's you know just wants to dedicate four months to Magic, he can kind of like grind out for four months and do it, and it's gotcha. not like. It's not like he has to dedicate years to being able to do so. So for players, for example, like Chion has a good rating, so it, it hurts him. There are plenty of good players who can't afford to come back and grind for a year or two years to get their rating up high enough to get three buys to Grand Prix, for example. Uh, so that this might help them more. Um, like it, it does, like I said, it does hurt the Paul Chions of the world or the Kenji Samurs of the world or whatever. But I think it also helps other people just because now they don't have to devote so much time uh, to magic. They can, you know, take four months off of work or whatever, you know, whatever. I don't know. That's like during like school, people in school, or whatever. Now they get like during the summer, they could just play magic nonstop and try to make it the pro tour, which would be cool. Yeah. Them. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has a lot of uh, pros and cons to it. It basically comes down to like, you know, once they start hammering out the details and figuring everything out on an individual level, like which one of those wins out more. And I'm inclined to believe that Wizards usually gets their act together and fixes all the all the the bad things. So I'm hoping that they'll do so here. Um, but is it you know without negatives? Of course not. It's got plenty of negatives to it. We just have to like kind of you know have some faith and uh, hope they iron out all the the bad things. Nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Also, this this land is pretty sweet. <laughs> you like that? It just just spoiled recently here. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's it's the new Vidu Gaza. You tap for colorless mana, and then you tap two colorless white green, tap it, put a plus and plus one counter on each creature you control. Uh, so it's like ornery from each Vidu Gaza or whatever. Kind of cool. The fact you can do that at any point in time. Holy uh, fuck, that's going to rape in EDH. Yeah, and it's pretty sweet and limited, too. KYT? You got anything okay. else for, for boats? No, no, I'm, I, I can easily meet up with boats unless I choose to like sleep in and show up in round three. I'll talk to them there. <laughs> Do you have three buys for GP Montreal? I won a trial last uh, weekend. What? I mean, it's Canada. There's like what three person trials or whatever. Like, it can't be <laughs> well, we had to mind trick Brad Nelson, but well, well, I thought it was your biggest fan, Conley, but that has changed. <laughs> well, hey, all I'm saying is sometimes we don't want big fans like you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. What? You're going to throw beats. I'm going to throw beats back. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. So, like, do you, I, I'm surprised more of you pros don't come up here if you feel that Canada's so goddamn soft. Uh, it's, I mean, or, I uh, what? I, we, we just, all, the only thing we know about Canada is <laughs> what we learned from Terrence and Philip, and I don't want to be farted on, so I just. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I mean, most people, what they learn about Colorado is from South Park, so it makes sense. I don't. Yeah, I don't, go, it goes both ways. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not upset at them for thinking that you know, we all go to uh, Shitty Walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goddamn you, Mongolians! <laughs> oh God, such a good show. Also, another spoiler. This is a big one, guys. Hold your hold your uh, pants Thanks. on. This is a uh, hold your pants on. 
<laughs> walking corpse. It's a colorless and a black, and it's a tutu. Thank you. Whoa. That's that is it. all. It's a oh zombie. Oh, my God. Big oh, time. my God. Brains. Brains, indeed. So here's a question. Like, yes, this set oozes flavor. Like, it, it it's, it, okay. There's a lot of flavor in the set, right? Like, they've done, a, it's very clear that that was the focus of the set. Sure. But, like, it's not really all that strong, right? Uh, no, like I said, it's very Kamigawa-like. Yeah. Like, a lot of flavor, not very good uh, power level so far. The lands have been the most powerful thing, I think, so far. And then mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's a couple of cards that'll be nice. And to be fair, there's, what, a hundred and, you know, 50 cards that still have to be spoiled. And, you know, a lot of those are commons and uncommons, but they, they still could be good. Um, like, cards like Divine Reckoning, I think that one is, like, secretly actually going to be pretty good. Where it's each player chooses a creature here she controls to destroy the rest uh, for two colors, white-white. And then yeah. the flashback is five white-white. So, like, there are plenty of decks that, for example, let's say uh, it's turn four and you have a Wall of Omens out. Like, you sticking around with a Wall of Omens them sticking around with a Goblin Guy, that's not bad for you or whatever. Uh, then in late game, when you have your, you know, Sphinx of Draw Isle or Consecrated Sphinx, and they have, you know, their best creatures a 4-4 a four, four for 3 or something like that, all of a sudden, like, that's a favorable thing. You would you would rather them have a 4-4 four, four for 3 and you get to keep your Consecrated Sphinx than to blow up everything. Like, yeah. So I think that, like, that kind of type of card, like, right now we're just like, oh, it's worse than Wrath or whatever. And for the most part, it will be, I think. But there are there are going to be niche situations where it's like, oh, this card's actually really good. And we're just completely, you know, overlooking it right now. Other cards, like, um, I don't know, what's, uh, like this, uh, Machaeus the Lunark. Like, I think it could actually be the Nuts, for all we know. The one that he enters the battle with a bunch of plus one, plus one counters, and then he, uh, he adds plus one, plus one counters to other creatures or whatever. That guy could be very good. We just have no idea. It completely depends on the context. Or, yeah. you know, the the card that, there's all these mill cards. I assume there's going to be some, uh, type of, uh, reanimate spells we haven't seen any yet. There's Scab Ruinator. That card, like, seems absurd. He's colorless blue blue for five, six flyer. Uh, as additional cost to play him, you exile three cards in your in your graveyard, three creature cards, and then you can cast them from your graveyard. Like that card could be like absurdly powerful if there's enough ways to enable him. And so uh, this this set looks a lot uh, like a lot of context is going to be needed. Uh, kind of like Splice and Arcane, if you remember from from Kamigawa. Like it was like, what does Splice and Arcane do? Well, we have to find out what Arcane spells there are to really be splicing onto. Otherwise, this mechanic sucks. So I don't know. I'm going to give it some time and kind of wait till the whole set comes out. But currently, it does look a little underpowered. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, like huge bombs and little dumbass bastards that are like it. It feels, it's 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 like the same direction that they took Scars of Mirrodin, I think, but it just feels more awkward for some reason because you don't get to play with every card because they have color assignment. But it's just my two cents. Um, so how's the weight loss going, dude? Like, talk uh, to us. Talk to us about that. Uh, it's it's going pretty good so far. Um, I'm down about forty pounds. Um, Shit. Give or take like three pounds. So you're uh, down thirty-seven yeah. pounds. No, no, no. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, the fluctuation based on what you've eaten, time of day, and water. I get it. Well, that and the fact that I'm in currently in uh, Chicagoland area, and when you're in Colorado, you actually weigh about a pound less because you're, you have less pull on, of gravity on you. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like you know whatever else, uh, and I don't have my like scale that I was using because it's in storage right now because I'm not in my, my house. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm down about 40 pounds. I have to lose 53 for the the goal, the bet, if you will. It's not really a bet. It's kind of a bet, I guess. There's money on the line, and we all made agreements. But um, I have to lose 13 more for that. Which I believe is the definition of a bet. But, but yeah. it's not. It... <laughs> quick, quick, look around. 
Like, anything that makes weight wins. So it's like, uh, it's a little different than just, just straight up that. But uh, I need to lose 13 more pounds uh, to meet the, the qualifications to win um, by January 1st. It shouldn't be that difficult. I should get there just fine. Um, and then my personal goal is 70 pounds. And so I have to lose 30 more or whatever to get that. But that's, you know, independent of our contest. Well, I think the only people that might get there are Rob Martin and Zane Begg. They're the only two people that was like 10 of us. And I think they're the only other two that really stand a chance, but I could be wrong. Sam Stodd, if you're listening to this, let us know how you're going. Uh, but yeah, it could be, uh, I mean, I don't know. Could be making a lot of money. Could it, this is mainly about getting healthy and kind of like showcasing the magic community and seeing what we can do when we, uh, put our minds to it because, you know, obviously the, uh, obesity or, you know, just, uh, just being unhealthy in general in the magic community is something that kind of, uh, it's a high correlation there. And we just kind of want to bring this to the forefront and, uh, you know, kind of get this, get this out there and PSA style or whatever. And, you know, it's all for a good cause. If we, uh, if nobody makes it, we, uh, we donate everything to, uh, to the American diabetes association, which is kind of cool. Hopefully some people make it. So then, you know, the, uh, ADA does not get anything, but, uh, who knows? <laughs> I don't, I don't, hopefully because, I mean, it just meant like hopefully, you know, people make weight and they're, they're proud of themselves. So that way, I'm not saying like hopefully the ADA doesn't get anything because we, we set up a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people doing the contest with us that did, couldn't actually afford uh, the the $1,000 buy-in plus the set of standard Mythic Rares uh, or however many standard Mythic Rares they're going to need. Um, so instead, they like made a pledge of like, you know, $50, whatever. And they said, you know, if they didn't make weight, they would donate $50 to the ADA. Um, so we, you know, we, we kind of have this like mild charity theme going and I, I think overall it's good. Uh, it's been kind of fun to watch or whatever. We'll have some updates here in the next month or so. I've been kind of busy, but, uh, yeah, it's been good so far. Nice. I think the next challenge after you crush everybody at the weight loss challenge should be the no neck beard challenge for the magic community. That, that's a fair one. And, uh, the no butt crack challenge. Yeah. Oh no, my God. No leaving a sweaty shadow on, on the chair when you get up and leave challenge. Yeah. So, uh, you still getting people to, like, pass you random shit, like baby powder and all of that stuff? Like, is that all still happening, or is it worn off? I never got them to do that. That was something they did on their own. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I still get get some some weird things. Like, people show up uh, on Moto, and they'll be like, here, I have this foil something, I don't know, acidic slime, enjoy it. And I'm like, all right. Like, it's difficult to say no to those things. But, uh, Yeah. yeah, I mean, I appreciate all the all the love in the community. Fans are pretty cool, and uh, I don't know. Definitely. How, so, how many twenties have you amassed since the bucket of shit incident? Uh, zero. Thank you very much. Okay. I have not eaten uh, any buckets of flaming poop. <laughs> <laughs> any type, for that matter. Yeah, and uh, and I guess the only other one is how many how many bottles of baby powder have you signed in your time? Uh, I think I'm at about four or five, maybe. I don't know. I've signed, I've signed a decent amount, but I, it's not too often. It's like once every couple of tournaments. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And does that like perturb you to a point where, you know, like, is it getting stale and old or do you still oh, find it? Funny? Whatever. I don't care. Like people, you know, they'll have me sign cards. That I haven't played with them forever too, but like, it's not a big deal. Like the fact that, you know, somebody wants a signature on anything is like kind of cool. Uh, it doesn't matter what, like, somebody could walk up to me with, like, their man thong or whatever, and I'll sign it. Like, I don't care. It's just kind of, <laughs> just cool just to, like, you know, that somebody, you know, likes you enough that they want your name on something they own. It doesn't matter what it is. It's kind of cool. Um, I don't know. It, it definitely, you have to be, I think you have to really be humble to be, like, a pro magic player because, like, at the end of the day, to 99% of the world, which is, you know, random Joe Schmo or whatever, 
and then you know this one percent underground society where like you know these big shots or whatever but it really doesn't mean anything it's just kind of cool to like take it all in learn and uh grow with these people that like and everything else there you're equal they just don't happen to be as good to you as at magic so it's like you know i'm not really better than you but you still look up to me it's kind of cool nice so uh how many times have uh have you won and lost a credit card game uh i think i'm still up over my lifetime although i'm not positive but this last week was killer i lost eight hundred dollars in like four days uh, I lost a uh, a three hundred and fifty dollar game at uh, Chima, which is like a Fogo to Chow place, and yeah. then a fifty dollar game the next day at the uh, at the Reading Terminal Market, and then the day after that, or two days after that, on Sunday, I lost at some Malaysian place we went to, and that was four hundred. Uh, that was easily the two biggest losses I've ever had, though. Um, and I usually don't lose big ones, so I don't know. It's kind of sucky, but you know, I can afford it, so I can't complain too much. Yeah. Oh, motherfucking boats is rolling in dough. I don't, I don't know about rolling in dough. I get by. I'm good, good to go. Nice. Also, He's ready to set sail. Boats like you know glide or like drift. Ship out. <laughs> get, get your, uh, get your vehicular term- terminology down. Shit. All right. So, <laughs> do you, do you guys have anything else for the, uh, the great one here, or uh, are we going to move to shoutouts? Bob Maher. That's his nickname, the great one. You can't call me the great one. I'm just a lowly deck doctor, okay? <laughs> the doctor. Nice. All right. So do you guys have anything more for the doctor or what? <clears throat> Are you ever going to write the, a book to rival Brad? Uh, <laughs> don't get me started on the book thing. That... Have you have you read Brad's book? Um, I re- So I was sent an advanced copy nope. by Rich Hagen to, uh, to basically correct things, and I had to send back a whole bunch of corrections. So I read most of it during the advanced copy i haven't read the edited version but uh no i mean what I, was the best what was the best thing that you edited out of there uh, well they had me working in a hotel <laughs> oh, what yeah so he said like basically i was working in a dorm room when i was like brewing at first i was, I was living in a dorm room so i was also working there and uh and he had me working in a, in a high class hotel and then also he had brad so the day of nationals that you guys are talking about the the John Mannequin list, um, Brad showed up with a mono red like all earthquake deck basically, and I was like, Brad, you can't play that. And he's like, it's the best. I'm like, no, it's not. And I beat it's him five the over. Best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I beat him five over very quickly, and so he switched to John Mannequin without ever testing a game, and you know, top eight or whatever. Uh, and then uh, you know, the the book had him like diligently testing for weeks and sending me updates and sending me ideas and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, that never happened. I built it on my own and gave him the list. It was like, <laughs> yeah, there was, just, there was okay. just things like that that I had to fix. I Brad Nelson. Yeah. Rich just didn't know all the details, which is fine, which is part of the reason that he sent it to me. So I can give him those uh, updates. But uh, yeah, it was just, it was funny. I, I, I mean, Kudos to Rich. I appreciate any work he does for the Magic community. I think that's a good thing. Uh, as far as like the subject matter, I don't know. Maybe maybe was a little premature. So, have you read Patrick's book? Uh, no, because I know how to play Magic, and I don't want to learn how to play Magic again. Have you listened to Patrick's album? Uh, he showed me he again, once again, advanced copy. He basically like played the entire album for me before it was released. Uh, live while we worked on decks. So what revision did you make to those? (laughs) If any. I I asked if every copy could be sent out with a pair of earplugs, but he did not. uh, He did not oblige boats. 
it's fine if you're into that uh, sort of thing. I'm not big into like techno and stuff. Uh, yeah. Hip hop's fine, but it's kind of like more techno-y hip hop. And uh, I mean, some of the songs are okay. I'm not a big fan of all of them, but I don't think that like means anything. Like everyone's gonna have their own personal taste. Like same thing for the book. Like some people really enjoyed it, and that's you know good for them. It's just not my my cup of tea. But uh, I mean, that doesn't mean it's a bad product or whatever. I also uh, have never wore a thong, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy them on other people. Right, right, right. I so had bring, uh, I had to bring it back around to thongs because we talked about it earlier. So yeah. So really- if there was one product that you could put out that was you know semi non traditional for the magic community that you could put your name to and you would push as a product that you endorse, what would it be? Oh man, I've never even thought about this. Uh, Master molds of dicks. <laughs> that would be a good one, but I think you'd want to do rubber. That way, they can actually be used. Um, and not plastic because that might hurt. Um, but no, probably it'd probably be something gimmicky and fun, like a like a hygiene kit or something. That'd be a good thing to send out. Nice, nice. Just have, like deodorant and cologne and uh, and a razor or whatever to everybody. Like I would want it to be something that was like practical, but also like made people laugh. Uh, I mean, if I was actually trying to make money off of it, and uh, you know, I wanted to like you know live off of it, which is kind of like you know like chapin or whatever like he released the book and you know it's to help people but he also like you know makes a living off that kind of stuff so that's fine so if i wanted to make money off it it would not be something gimmicky and funny but uh or maybe it would i don't know i haven't thought about that long but just off the top of my head i would want it to be like you know something that people had to laugh at yeah all right so what what how do you want to be remembered in the magic community when you finally outgrow all this uh you know playing with children's cards Whoa, and you whoa, move whoa. on. You shut the hell up, sir. Hey, I know. Hey, don't get me wrong. I love it. I'm just, but I'm asking. Like, you, yeah, are you gonna, are you like gonna do this? Yeah, I'm like eighty. No, I'm not. Are you gonna do this forever? Like, or do you have do you have plans for later? Like, or uh, I mean, I mean, I have definitely, have, I've definitely had plans. I, I have two degrees. I have a degree in criminal justice and a degree in uh, psychology. That I yeah, I was never, I was never assuming that you were retarded. No, no, I don't think anyone. But I'm just saying, like. Prior to Magic, my I definitely had plans to like you know go into the FBI possibly do uh, criminal <laughs> psychology something like that. Um, but you know then Magic came about and and it's one of those things where like I want to do Magic as long as I possibly can. Um, okay. I'm I, I'm making a living off it and I'm having a blast and traveling the world. So I don't think I would voluntarily stop. But at some point, uh, obviously, uh, it shall come to an end. And at that point, I don't know what I'll do. Um, but I'm sure like no, I, I honestly don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be hilarious in the chat, but like, <laughs> holy fuck, that's so awesome. I I I really want to get an update later from Special Agent Conley Woods. <laughs> Seriously, like Conley stands like eight feet tall, and he flashes a badge that says FBI. Like, could you imagine him like fucking busting into your fucking house? Seriously, like you don't fuck with that, right? Down on the ground, motherfuckers! Up in this bitch. I wasn't. I wasn't gonna be a cop, cop. I was gonna be like the like kind of like the real life version of a CSI or whatever, like that kind of thing. But anyway, not sure they do sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, uh, if that you know, if it comes to that, then I'll gladly. (laughs) Um, But for now, I just want to you know, like I said, I want to continue doing what I love uh, as long as I can. And you know, at the end of the day, I would much rather. be known for like my writing and uh you know helping people out um getting outside the box seeing things in a different light um that's kind of like how i'd like prefer to be known but you know if i'm if i'm known for nine top eights at 
PTs or whatever, I won't complain. That hasn't happened yet, so that that you know that's a hint hint at topping eight more PTs. Like it now makes so much perfect sense. Earlier, all the things you were saying, like you have a code name and it's boats, <laughs> and that's like so obscure. Like when they call the president like Eagle One, and then you you fucking had a sting operation on that guy with thoughtsies. You set it up. You fucking surveilled, and then you you just closed the trap right when it, the time was right, and then you fucking. Earlier, you were talking about how like people don't get your theories, and so sometimes you have to like convince them or play along with them until you can like show them the right path. You know, like similar to a profiler in the FBI. I think Conley Woods is fucking. I I think he already works for the FBI. Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny such claims. The A team fucking figured it out. You guys are brilliant. Code name boats. Are brilliant. Code name boats. What's going to happen is this is just going to end up being classified, and it's just going to be a bunch of bleeps. Yeah, and then he boop, and then I boop, and no, then this boop. Will act, this will actually just be uh, edited over by the keyboard cat playing the entire time. Yeah, so that's so that's good. I'm I'm glad you're uh, you're coming out to uh, to Montreal. It seems like there's actually more and more people as uh, as we come down to the wire um, that are, are saying they're coming. So I think it's going to be a good time, and uh, you should definitely uh, make sure that uh, you get out and and have a few with uh, with KYT and his crew up there because they're really cool dudes and extremely accommodating, and you know some of them are actually pretty good at magic. So I hear so. Bef- before we get to shoutouts, Conley, I just have one more question for you, bud. Sure. What is cooler, chess or magic? Yes. Uh, I think, well, like, it's the public eye or my personal opinion? It doesn't matter, your personal to opinion. To chicks. What gets you more chicks? Yeah, think, more I women and children sh- first. I don't know. I think it's uh, when it comes to chicks, it's whatever, whichever one you make more money at. So, like, if you sucked at chess but you played it and didn't make any money, then, like, I don't think chicks are going to care. So what you're saying is money is cooler than magic and chess. Correct, but uh, <laughs> I think I think I think chess is more is cooler in general just because it's more. Uh, Thank you. Socially acceptable, but is uh, it? Yes, I think people like yeah. they they know about chess, where some people don't know about magic, and they just see like fairies and wizards and goblins and stuff. Um, people that know about both probably it's you know the same in their eyes or whatever. Um, I think magic is overall cooler, but you know it's one of those things where once it starts getting out there. Like, all it takes is one good movie to be made about magic or whatever, and all of a sudden it becomes like, you know, there is no uh, Bobby Fischer for magic right now. And, like, <laughs> people look at that and they're like, cool, chess is cool. Like, look how sweet this movie is or whatever, uh, in searching for Bobby Fischer. But I don't know. I think, why, is, uh, why is that the only movie everybody, like, quotes all the time? Have you ever watched that movie? Yeah, like ten times. Dude, it gives me a boner every time. It's so amazing. <laughs> awesome. Totally anyway. agree with that. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is, is that we need like a really good, marketable face to magic. Yeah. So yeah. this is like calling all developmentally disabled or physically, you know, challenged individuals that want to get really good at the game. Like that know, fucking blind guy. Like the blind guy that plays magic. The problem no. with blind guys is, uh, mo- like, if you look at if you look at uh, historically in other card games, uh, blind guys tend to be the ones that uh, cheat the most. Cheat the most. It's true because they have like they put braille on their cards and they can read it. I'm serious. It's not even. I'm not even trying to like make fun of like people in general. But there's there's one of the WoW guys got uh got DQ'd for cheating. Um, and I think there was a versus guy as well. Lots in L5R. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, but it's not lots. It's not like there's like you know, like half the population. Well, lots in terms of how many blind guys there are. So I guess it's like an expression of if there's five blind guys that play, four of them are cheaters. Is this what we're trying to get at? Like four to five blind guys cheat. (laughs) You heard it here first. What Conley Woods is saying, and he works for the fucking (laughs) FBI. He knows. But uh, if you're blind, please do not get upset at me. I'm not saying you cheat. I'm just saying, unfortunately, due to your brethren who do cheat, uh, you have a worse than normal reputation, and I apologize to you. Uh, good luck in life. So, uh, so you so you're you enjoyed a semi-successful uh, amateur career as a stand-up comedian. Um, yes, but the problem with stamp comedy is that it consumes your basically every being. Yeah. It takes a lot of time, and you don't make a lot of money. I actually uh, came very close to getting a uh, a large contract with Comedy Central, but um, I was a runner-up for that particular contract. So, uh, And then then I won a PTQ to go to Honolulu and very quickly realized that you can't really magic and uh, do comedy full-time in both departments. So, and so magic- what was your best bit? Can we? Well, no. Before that, that what a better question is is where can we see your bits? Oh, uh, you can't see. I mean, they were mostly like in actual comedy clubs. So you can't see them anywhere. You don't have any recordings of them. I mean, I have some like personal ones in my like house or whatever, but I have not uploaded anything to YouTube or anything. No. <clears throat> uh, Could you upload anything to YouTube yet? Uh, I will contemplate it very hard, and then most likely not do so because I get embarrassed. <laughs> about it, so. But. Um, yeah, most of it was, like, just comedy club work, um, so there wasn't, like, a lot of... This also just prior to, like, the digital age getting, like, super big where everything went online. Like, this is, you know, seven, eight years ago. You have, like, VHS out. tapes of your performances and shit, is what you're saying? Uh, I do have some VHS tapes, yeah. I also have a couple of DVDs. I don't have a lot, but uh, in general, I try not to. I didn't, like, hire people, because you have to, like, pay people to record you usually, unless you, like, have family there or whatever, and... uh I don't know. It was uh, it was fun. It was a you know a time of my life. I only did it for like two two three years, uh, all prior to my college days. But uh, or like early college, late high school. It was fun. Um, but like I said, it didn't make me a lot of money, and it uh, took a ton of time. So it is what it is. Nice. You have to thank you. I'm awesome. So your your <laughs> best bit. There is no such thing as a best bit. Like so. I don't know. I hate when whenever I tell people I did Sam comedy, they're always like, "Give us a joke or whatever." But like, that's so unfair to people. Like, that's why they, I didn't ask you for a joke, dude. Like, I understand. I, it's it's anecdotes and stories. Like, tell us a story. Well, he's been doing that all night. Leave the guy alone. He's got fucking court to prepare for. Okay. <laughs> I do have court to prepare for. <laughs> you know, for all for the impending class action suit of blind <laughs> blind people versus Conley Woods. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would be a whole bunch of people that don't even play magic than like just trying to get some money and like Tipper Gore. What? What? Because <laughs> that broad suits everybody. Oh, that's fair. Um, but no, it, I did a lot of uh, I did, I was very much a storyteller. I wasn't like a, a one liner or anything like that. Um, I don't so know. you were a Chris Rock. You weren't a Dane Cook. Uh. <laughs> and by that he means you were good and not terrible. Yeah, I was gonna say. I guess I mean I was not as good as Chris Rock, of course. But uh, you know, it was a lot of like more juvenile things. I was younger at the time, so there was a lot of. Uh, I tried to be as raunchy as I could, but I also was you know seventeen or eighteen, things like that. So it was difficult to to be as uh, as funny with adults as I possibly could. 
Back in time, I was younger. That is, uh... Well, how old are you now? I am 24 right now. Not that old. Yeah, so you're still a youngin'. That's fair. <laughs> cool. I don't refer to myself as a youngin', but I guess if uh, if you had to. Yeah. If, it, if it's a choice between olden and youngin', <laughs> I would pick youngin' most of the time. But occasionally, I like probably like four out of five times I would pick youngin'. But then that fifth time, uh, I would hold hands to the blind guy and say I was a <laughs> Dude, I call – listen, I call people that are older than me kid. So, like, oh it's <laughs> – don't you worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> so, oh, I just got my email from Wizard saying that my top fifty in Philadelphia has qualified me for Pro Tour Dark Ascension in, in Honolulu. Yeah, what's with that? Yeah. That's the second that, set. That's the that's the second set, and for some reason they're calling the Pro Tour Dark Ascension in Honolulu. So, are they like? Are, do we know what the date on that Pro Tour is? Uh, it's in February, I believe. I'm not sure. I believe it's in February, though. Okay. So, are they? So, is the plan then that they're gonna? I'm just curious. Like, I think it would be fucking sick if they actually like had the pro tour on the the weekend of the release of the product or the pre-release of the product. That'd be cool. I think they might do that for Grand Prix. That's really what I want them to do. Is like have a Grand Prix that's also pre-release. That'd be sweet. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I don't know what their deal is with the, the Honolulu thing. If they did that, though, the problem is there's no way they can allow the set to be legal for construction. Nobody would have the cards, so like you can only do it for limited. And since Pro Tours are always both limited and constructed, they'd be pretty different. Uh, duly noted. Stop whining. Me? Yeah, don't whine about that shit. Just play on the fly. You're a rogue deck builder. Come on. No, I'm, I'm not whining. I'm just saying it would be, you wouldn't have cards. To, I'm not worried about building decks. If you wouldn't physically have them. Yeah, you would just have to you know, be resourceful. You just fucking make TSG sit back at the shop and open a billion packs. It's not a big deal. Yeah. For a guy who works in the FBI, you don't think outside the box. <laughs> Obviously, I could get the cards. I'm just worried about <laughs> worried about my team, dude. Right. Oh, right. Well, they're blind. They wouldn't be able to find those cards. It'd be difficult. Yeah, I guess. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There are double-sided cards. How are the blind people going to fucking <laughs> mark those? Uh, what a conundrum. That's actually a legitimately good question. I don't know how it would... Uh... Yeah. See, now it's not even us being um, prejudicial. It's wizards. I'm a little worried about these flip cards, by the way. Yeah? How they're going to work in, like, large tournaments, like uh, competitive play. Like, are they going to let us yell that we have the... Because the, they said right now, you can, like, when you open it, you can announce that you have that card. Yeah. Show that card. Like, I don't know if they're going to allow that or if they're going to put checklist cards in the packs or whatever. Like, what happens if you open a Garrick and you're like, I have a Garrick. And then the guy to your right also opens a Garrick and he just looks at you very awkwardly like, should I still take my Garrick? Because I'm going to be hated. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be kind of strange. I would think that the intelligent way to do it would be to, you know, to have the TOs. I mean, they go through all the packs anyway, right? And they stamp all the cards and they remove all, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so it would make sense for them to insert the checklists. But then I guess the onus comes to you guys to know what the cards do. Exactly. Can I, like, especially if somebody's from a different, uh, if they don't country. speak English. Yeah. yeah. Like, so now it's like not only blind people, but it's also the Japanese. Y- which are basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> also, well played, sir. Well played. Also, <laughs> am I allowed to yell that I am passing a Garrick? You can't say that you passed it. You basically just say you opened it and then slam it really quickly or whatever. What if I'm like, I opened the Garrick, took a gate. <laughs> I mean, I think that one you would get in trouble for, especially uh, you'd get in trouble by your teammates who would yell at you for taking the gate over Garrick, and you would get in trouble <laughs> by the judges saying what card you took over Garrick. So what if I just say I opened the Garrick? 
I mean, and then very think... obviously didn't pick it because it's a flip card. Like, so when I pass you pack, you can see it. I mean, I don't know. I guess. Yeah. What do you know? Uh, I know that. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> I know. I I I'm out of blind jokes. I'm not going to use some of those. I know that much. Got to save uh... it the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I think I think on that note, Conley, I would invite you to um, give us some shout-outs if you want to shout-out to any people. And we always kind of do this. Uh, this right, little Owen, Owen is actively bugging me on AIM right now to give him a shout-out. Does he have Skype? AIM, yes. Uh, I, maybe, probably. No, he has AIM. He's, he's using a wooden computer. <laughs> Well, no, because seriously, seriously, if he's got Skype, I w- we would be happy to add him on to do his own shoutouts. Uh, I shout out to myself. I'm Owen Turtonwall. Well, no, obviously. He's, he said, name drop me or I won't listen. And then he said, in parentheses, I probably won't listen anyways. Oh. Uh, nice. So. Fuck guy. <laughs> Fuck AIM. So, what's wrong with AIM? Wait, you called ELO ELO, so I guess you would call AIM AIM. So you can call AIM. No, Sc- Scotty did that, not me. AIM, like, it, that's that's... Yeah, aim. Ugh. Moving on. Wow. Do your shoutouts, Conley. God damn it. Focus, kid. All right. Shout out to Owen Turtenwald, uh, to blind people everywhere, um, and to that's that's all I got. I don't... <laughs> shout out to no. <laughs> the, set, the the funny thing is you say that as a joke. So he typed in the Jacks. But the funny thing is when like we're testing in our house, like they actually prefer us just to call them that. Like. Like Yuya and Shuhei, they don't mind. They like we just call them the Japs or whatever, right in front of their faces, and they just they acknowledge it. Like I don't know, it, it seems like it would be like offensive to them, but they don't. They're not offended. Um, <laughs> but anyway, shout out to uh, that's all I got. Everyone else in the world, hello, thank you. <laughs> Go ahead, KYT. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. My mind's blank after all this. <laughs> Shoutouts to Conley. Thanks for coming on. Um, can't wait Shout to see to you. I'm on the air. Yeah, we do that all the time. Really? You guys yeah. are late. You guys got to You guys got to look up your shoutout definition because I don't. Think <laughs> <that>. <laughs> We're using the Patrick Chapin version. Oh, okay. Deal. <laughs> it was in the appendix of the Brad Nelson book. Oh, I didn't. I see. I just wasn't familiar. <laughs> Anyways, can't wait to see you. Uh, Next, next weekend at GP Montreal. Um, I'm going to crush. I got to win. <laughs> Shoutouts to Jesse, I guess. <laughs> Good luck with everything and hope uh, you can make it back at least four set releases. Um, you know, um, hey, I don't know if he's going to listen to this part. But anyways, he knows I love him. And we've been doing pretty much the same thing up to this point. Uh, podcasting, trying to maintain our own website, doing mtgo videos now and again and now that he's gone you know i'm gonna lose uh i feel like i've lost a a friend even though i'm still gonna talk to him now (laughs) and again um but uh, we're not in any rush for those listeners who are worried to to find anyone to replace him or anything we'll see how it goes we have uh we've got a lot of options that we're exploring and uh you know a lot of people in Canada, let me tell you. Yeah. So, so we've some some old favorites, uh, maybe some newbies that you haven't heard from yet. But uh, stay tuned. We're not in a rush. We will be. You'll be hearing from a lot of different people between now and then. 
And uh, if I were you guys, I would look in uh, Saskatchewan. That seems like a good place to find. Yeah, <laughs> and we would love to ask Conley for the job, but truthfully, we can't stand him after two hours of this shit. There's so. a, I think the Mark Twain National Forest is in Saskatchewan. Maybe you can get somebody from there. <laughs> than you do I mean it's <laughs> awesome <laughs> things people have never said about Americans <laughs> uh, you can go to the Wood Buffalo National Park in Alberta I may or may not be looking at a map right now I'm just saying may or may not. there's no way I memorize these shitty places in your country <laughs> you should go see the biggest ball of yarn in the if, world if that's along the way I'm going there for sure there's no way I'm not stopping I will see the world's largest yarn, the world's largest frying pan, and the world's smart, smallest cat. Whatever's along the way. <laughs> nice. All right. I'll finish my shout-outs uh, to Carrie Dan, Kyle, who's going to be uh, at GP uh, Montreal, and who's going to be editing, and still editing, our uh, gigantic episode 50. So thank you so much for all your work, Kyle. And uh, off to you, Jay. Um, did you just seal your shout out with a kiss to Kyle? I think I heard a kiss. I definitely heard a kiss. I was going to point it out, but that's pretty wicked. <clears throat> so, <laughs> I guess we can start off on that tangent. Um, shout out to Ben Clinton, uh, who what does that who, mean? <laughs> who everybody thought was G bomb, and then we found out that he was married and to a girl and has a kid. So that's cool. <laughs> Double shock. Double shocking. <laughs> um, shout out to Bank, because you rule. Um, shout out to uh, uh, Smitty, for sure. We're going to miss you on the cast. Um, um, so, do you... How are you guys still on the air after all this? Come on. Shut up. Chris. I'm going to sh- knife you. <laughs> <laughs> And you'll you'll think that you're safe because I'll pretend to be a blind person. Hey, um, I would actually be more afraid if there you have it. See, if somebody ran up to you with a knife and they explained they were blind. <laughs> you know, the shoutouts don't normally take this long because normally there isn't so many interrupting. Hey, you guys got I'm sorry, you guys got here. me in this uh, insultative ro- role. <laughs> insultative is not a word, by the way. Though. No, it isn't. Newsflash. Uh, shout out to Tom Martell who was going to be on, but instead we got Calmly Woods. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh let's pick a random twitter follower for a shout out shout out to who's this shout out to fucking oh we haven't talked about norbert in a long time on this show who he has made his twitter return so shout out to norbert 88 um he hasn't complained about mythic rare prices in a long time so um you know. yeah so he so he gets rewarded by this yeah show. <laughs> and shout out to Planeswalker Points and to anybody who is a is a level forty four battle mage. That's just me. I think I'm the only one in the world. Well, there you have it. <laughs> I'm actually only three hundred and seventy seven points away from being an arc mage. Shit. So, Get to F and M now. What are you yeah. doing? Uh well today's Thursday, so I'm definitely not <laughs> <laughs> but, You don't actually want to know what I'm doing right now. Nice. Actually, you know what? No, tell us. No, Eating not. Cheetos. No, the other part of that. Cheating on your diet. No, I'm not. Che- First of all, tomorrow's cheat day. I've been looking forward to it. And uh, Cheetos all lined up. I'm gonna eat some euros. I'm in Chicago, so I gotta. The food here is insane. I don't know if you've ever been to Chicago. It's my favorite no. part of Chicago by far. It's the food. But instead, I'm wasting my time 
speaking with you guys about <laughs> Planeswalker points and level 44 <laughs> battle me. Yeah. So, uh, do you watch any man versus food to try to, like, satisfy your food, you know, your foodism while you're on your uh, diet? Well, I, I watch a lot of, uh, of Food Network in general, but um, it's pretty much that and History Channel, like, the only two things I watch, and some Comedy Central. But usually I just watch that online. Um, but, yeah, I, I Man vs. Food is okay. Um, the only problem is it does not appear on the Food Network, so I don't watch it that much. Right, often, it's on but... the Travel Network at this point. Outdoor Life uh-huh. Network or something? No, I just thought I'd ask, because, uh, you know, like... Because we were poised and waiting. The wife and I um, have been watching a lot of it, and it's it's just like... You, you mentioned that Chicago has some of the most unbelievable food, and I just feel like, you know, we're starting to potentially plan, like, a road trip through the United States to various places because of some of these restaurants that we've seen on the show. Because you're trying, because you're trying to escape. That's really what you're doing, right? You're trying to get out. <laughs> trying to get out of the north. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like when you're like in a bad relationship and like you're just constantly being abused and you're too afraid to go like, uh, hook up with that really handsome guy because you think that your old sp- your old lover might just beat the crap out of you, but you just know it's right for you. So you just sit by and you just wait and you stare at his glistening hair and his ripped pecs and you're like, one day I'll go, and then eventually you go. That's what it's like. No, it's more like what the it's fuck? it's. <laughs> It's more like winter is coming, and I have to leave. Oh, that's fair. So it's like game. Gotcha. Yeah, that's how it is. But anyways, um, so I guess my shout-outs. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll echo the Jesse uh, the Jesse Slurp Fest because uh, he'll only get it this time. So here you go, buddy. Um, I guess uh, shout out to uh, just a thank you, Conley, for joining us. It's been a blast. We uh, would love to have you anytime that uh, you know you feel like you know you want to waste a couple hours with few Canadian idiots. Um, I guess uh, after that, I want to, again, thank Kyle for all of the hard work that he's doing. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to the guys over at O2Drop, because we haven't for a while, and I think that they, you know, probably should get one. Um, we should give a shout-out to MGGCast in general. Good work over there for free, everybody. I think so, too. Everybody's doing podcasts. Kudos. Yeah, and I, and I want to give a shout-out to everyone that's trying to be better at at doing podcasts and there's like a million of them out there now um you know those of you that suck keep trying those of you that are putting out good content we love you you're our bros and sisters uh mostly just bros but um yeah so that that's cool um 51 in the books good luck to everyone at grand prix that's going to grand prix montreal and uh I guess we'll talk to See, I don't oh. I don't like people do that by the way. Good luck to everyone at Grand Prix Montreal. That means everyone would like theoretically just do the same, right? So like you clearly want some people to have more luck than other people. Like blind guys. Sure, whoever. Like <laughs> your homies. You want them to have more luck. So when you say good luck to everybody, it's so okay. disingenuous. So you, know. so you two? KYT and Conley? Me more than him. Yeah. Well, you Both you're going to you're you're clearly need more luck. Well, oh. that's what I'm saying. I was I was I was going there. So like KYT, I hope you open a monster pool that builds itself. <laughs> yeah, cuz otherwise you're in and trouble. I, I hope Conley just opens 40 lands. <laughs> I just want to open Can I just get three Scrambleverses one time? I just want to God, can you imagine? And like g- red green ramp and Scrambleverse? <laughs> <laughs> so bad. It'd have to have like, uh, is there any like bad things, bad enchantments for you to have or whatever? No, 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 not an M twelve. Scrambler is just utter dog poop, but I'll play it anyway. Let's go. <laughs> Bring it. Actually, 
really hope I don't open Scrambleverse now because I might be committed to that statement. <laughs> I hope that you open three Scrambleverses and then three of like the blue black lands. <laughs> <laughs> and I That's hope what... your, your child has multiple. <laughs> 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 oh god. Oh my god. Ended there, Carrie Dan. That's perfect. Uh, all right guys. Thanks so much. Have a good evening and uh we will talk to you all another day. We'll see you next week. To honor our friend Smitty with a farewell, the twenty one car salute. Cuckoo! 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 C